BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Episode number 201, uh, and this week I am very pleased to be joined by a returning guest. Hello, Paul. Hello, John. How are you doing? Pretty good. Since last we talked, I have changed countries again somehow in the middle of a pandemic, so <laughs> that's that. You're in Germany now? Yeah, now I'm in Germany, and hopefully this time I'm going to stay here a bit longer than I did in Rome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think since we last talked, I got vaccinated, so that's my big news, <laughs> so... That's yeah. way better than mine. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, like, I'm approaching now, like, two weeks since I got my first shot. And, you know, since I already had it, I probably have pretty substantial protection. So I'm feeling pretty good. Definitely not nice. worried about COVID or anything right now. I'm going to actually go see my dad in New Jersey tomorrow. So, uh, but yeah, so what's uh i guess other than changing countries and getting vaccinated what else has been going on with you and oh i got vaccinated i mean i guess <laughs> yeah i have i have been vaccinated yet <laughs> yeah no i yeah like i said like i switched countries uh look looking for an apartment right now in berlin but luckily it looks like that situation might be solved soon but yeah I, the housing market in the city is fuck beyond belief really yeah well i can think of at least one uh one listener is going to be very happy that you're on here already on again already <laughs> your silky smooth voice and all that yeah and exactly there you go it's definitely the first time someone has said that about my voice 
Uh, but yes, welcome back to the show. Uh, so here today we're going to talk about a pair of New Japan shows and an All Japan show, of course. Um, but yeah, you know, before we get into that, I want to mention too, by the way, if you're if you're listening as a free feed uh, listener who's not a patron, if you were wondering where we were last week, we took a week off from the free feed. That's something I've been trying to do a little more often uh, when there's like nothing when there's nothing big going on in Japanese wrestling, just because I record a lot of podcasts now. I mean, you know, I mean, bef- besides the free feed every almost every week, I do two uh, Patreon exclusive episodes, and uh, not to mention all the other daily audio I do on there with uh, you know the one match episodes multiple times a week, and now the upcoming New Japan Cup uh, daily audio. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I do a lot of audio, and I'm, this is definitely going to be something going forward where I take, you know, random weeks off on the free feed. But you never have to miss me if you sign up at the Patreon. So it is, of course, at Patreon.com/slash/WrestlingOmakase. Uh, last week we released a Patreon exclusive episode last weekend. Uh, myself and my buddy Quinlan, who has also been vaccinated, so he was actually able to come over, and uh, we hang, we hung out, and did a New Japan anniversary show retro roulette which is a you know definitely a cool theme we basically picked you know five or six random anniversary shows throughout the years uh dating back to like 1981 even so you know they've done a bunch of anniversary shows so it was uh we had more to choose from than i thought we would and you know we did six random matches uh we got everything from uh this awesome tanahashi or this awesome uh, nagata versus takiyama uh, IWGP title match for the Tokyo Dome in 2002, when they built that as a anniversary show. Uh, we got the we did the Okada versus Tiger Mask W, the very mysterious Tiger Mask W uh, <laughs> match from 2017. Um, you know we got like this actually kind of terrible tag match with the uh, Chono and Liger against Tanahashi and uh, God who was his partner. Tanahashi and somebody, though, and I can't remember who his partner was. Uh, it was from 2009, though, and it was, like, really bad. So uh, that was uh, that was kind of surprising. But, yeah, I mean, that, that episode was a lot of fun. So that's available on the Patreon right now. And it's a good way to get excited for the, uh, you know, the upcoming anniversary show this week. So, you know, I definitely think that, uh, you know, you'll enjoy that if you're a New Japan fan at all. And, you know, so that's on the Patreon right now. And obviously coming up... Um, you know, I would tell you, by the way, wait till tomorrow. To If you if you happen to be listening to this on Sunday the 28th, uh, wait till tomorrow to sign up, Monday, March 1st, because then you'll get you'll get charged twice, and I don't want you to do that. So, you know, I'm not I'm not that up, hard up for money that I want you to get charged twice in two days. So, yeah, wait till Monday, March 1st. It's a new month, and you'll get the full month. And, you know, you can go back and listen to everything we record in February, including that anniversary show, uh, Retro Roulette, I just talked about. And perhaps more importantly, you will get daily audio coverage of the New Japan Cup throughout the month of March. So every New Japan Cup show, every day, I will cover. The only exceptions being uh, when we cover occasional uh, New Japan Cup shows on the free Omakase. But every other show will only be on the Patreon. Uh, and we'll be doing a uh, New Japan Cup Pick'em this Wednesday on March 3rd for you know just a couple days before the New Japan Cup starts where I have four guests for that. A lot of people volunteered. So, you know, Suit Williams, Sean Cedor, Jerry Evans, and Griffin uh, Peltier. Hope I pronounced that correctly. All of which wrestling contributors, they all volunteered. So we'll all be doing our brackets live on the air. And again, that will be exclusive to the Patreon. So if you want to get hyped for the New Japan Cup, uh, the, the brackets are out as we're recording this, but they should be out, you know, late night Sunday, uh, Eastern time. 
you know, we'll, that'll be a lot of fun. So that'll be on Wednesday and again, exclusively on the Patreon. And then daily audio coverage will be on the Patreon. And, you know, if you stick around for April, we'll have daily audio coverage of the Champion Carnival too. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. So definitely uh, check out, you know, all of our tournament coverage, all of our one match episodes, all the cool stuff we do on there. And everything I just said, only $5. It's a steal. You're robbing me at gunpoint. <laughs> so go to patreon.com slash wrestling omakase to sign up. And again, if this happens to get up on the February 28th, uh, I just wait a day to sign up. Wait till it's March 1st because I don't want you to get double charged because I'm, you know, not trying to not trying to rip anybody off here. Because uh, I've seen people. Yeah, I have, to, I have to say that like to sign up for the uh, New Japan Cup episode was like the fastest I've ever seen people sign up for an episode of Omakase. <laughs> it was like literally I saw like the notice pop up that like, hey, I'm looking for guests, and then there were already like five people that are like, yeah, I want to do it. Yeah, they, you know, it's a, uh, it, 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 yeah, it was a, you know, it was a really like, uh, it was a really popular episode because because they don't have to watch anything. So they're just like all I have to do is sit down with their fucking bracket. So yeah, it's uh, it's not the easy, it's not the hardest episode to prepare for either. It's not like you having to watch three shows here to, to get ready for this episode. But yeah, so that'll be a lot of fun. Again, if you uh, you know are looking for it, patreon.com dot uh, slash wrestling on the say the link will be in our description as well. So definitely check that out. And you know, I should should be a lot of fun. The New Japan Cup pick them. Okay, so let's get into... We'll start here with New Japan. Uh, they did have the bigger shows, I would say. The Castle Attack, Night 1 and 2. Um, so going into this weekend, I was as down on New Japan as mm-hmm. I have been probably since like 2018 and the bad old days of the uh, Bullet Club Elite versus Bullet Club OGs feud, which I still think is like one of the worst feuds in wrestling history. Um, you know, th- So this is probably the least I was into New Japan going into this weekend as I've been in like three years. I mean, just really, you know, I, the, the, uh, the, those last two new beginning and Hiroshima shows were not very good. And the road to castle attack tour may have been the worst road to tour. I can remember. It was just like all these Corkins, the crowd, the crowds got smaller and smaller. So even for clap crowd era, these crowds were horrible in these Corkins. There were like 50 of them. And, you know, the storylines weren't interesting at all. I mean, I, the Okada Evil feud, I think, was... It, I may vote for that for worst feud of the year at the end of the year. And we'll get into that in a second. Uh, and the, you know, Naito, Abushi feud, they managed to make me not excited for my favorite pairing in wrestling history, probably, which is quite the accomplishment because the, the feud just made no sense and the all the stuff about the Intercontinental title was just completely incomprehensible. Uh, once the match started, as we'll get into, I was like wait, why was I not excited for this? This is incredible. <laughs> but, like, the, they managed to make me not excited for, uh, uh, like, one of my, you know, if not my favorite pairing, then one of my favorite pairings, certainly of all time. So that's almost an accomplishment, honestly. So good for good for them. But, yeah, going into this weekend, you know, my my interest level was so low, I, you know, I hand-waved the previews, which I've never done before. I just told Rich, because uh, I always do those written, written uh, roundtable previews. I'm, I'm always on them. And I told Rich at Voice of Wrestling that I was like, you know, I don't really want to do these. I don't really. I, I stopped watching the Road Twos. I just really didn't care. Really didn't care at all. Now. It, I don't think we even put up any Yeah, nobody right? else volunteered. I don't remember. Yeah. Nobody else volunteered. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really surprised because I usually have to, like, conjole people into joining at this point. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, we didn't do any previews for them. We, we just we 
yeah, we, our, our interest level is very low. I, clearly, I wasn't the only one. But, like, once these cards came around, they kind of ended up being exactly uh, what I thought they would be, I guess. Like, when, on paper, I thought Night One looked horrible. And Night One was pretty much horrible. And I thought Night 2, when I really, like, got down to it and it was, like, got past my problem with the build, I'm like, well, Night 2 does, does look pretty awesome. And Night 2, if anything, over-delivered. Night 2 was fucking great. So it pretty much ended up being, at the end of the day, exactly what I thought these two shows would be. And, you know, it's I, I don't think you could be like, New Japan is back. I kind of tweeted that as a joke. Because it's like, well, they have one good show on their last four, basically. <laughs> Those two Hiroshima shows were, you know, not very good. And, um, you know, Castle Attack Night 1 was horrible, as we'll get to in a second. But Castle Attack Night 2 was awesome. And that was the kind of show where I'm like, okay, as many problems as they have with the booking and the clap crowds, like, those at the end of the day are fixable problems. And at the end of the day, this company still has more wrestlers that I love than any other company. And, you know... So there's always going to, like, I remember Griffin, who I just mentioned, um, you know, I guess not even try, really trolling, like, in the Words Wrestling Slack, asked me, you know, he's like, do you actually like AEW more than New Japan right now? And I'm like, I guess <laughs> I enjoyed those last, I didn't watch this week's Dynamite, I just, you know, blew it off. But I was like, I guess I enjoyed the two Dynamites before that more than I enjoyed either of those Hiroshima shows or Castle Attack Night 1. But, like, I am never going to be a bigger fan of AEW than New Japan, I don't think. Because the the roster is just so unappealing to me. There's just so many wrestlers on that roster that I just don't connect with at all, don't care about it all, don't really like watching. And, you know, as good as it, it clearly is better booked than New Japan right now. I don't think yeah. I really don't think anyone can even argue that. But like as far as like my connection and my uh you know you know my fan interest, I will never be more into that company than New Japan. I just don't think it's possible. But, you know, unless they, like, yeah. change out half the roster, fire the Young Bucks, and, like, FTR, and, like, all these other fucking guys. Never mind, like, the fucking... Some of these rookies that look horrible. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, there's, there is plenty of stuff in AWA I like right now, too. Like, you know, especially... I mean, the Omega title reign's pretty awesome. Uh, you know, Moxie's awesome. You know, Archer's awesome. Phoenix is probably up there for best wrestler in the world. But yeah, I mean, there's just so much stuff in AEW I don't like. So, you know, my connection's always going to be there with New Japan, even when I'm very getting very frustrated with the booking. And boy, we're going to get into a lot of stuff on this Castle Tech Night 1 that frustrated me. But yeah, um, yeah. at the end of the day, I think long-term, New Japan's going to be okay because the, the booking is a solvable problem, and especially the clap crowds are a solvable problem, and that will go away at some point, you know? depending on how fast it might, it might take the entire year. I really think people should be prepared for that. I think the pace Japan is doing vaccinations. I mean, we might be in this for all of 2021, but that will go away eventually. So, but yeah, those are fixable problems and long-term I'm not really that worried. I mean, especially when like, if anything, a lot of my favorite wrestlers don't even just look like they haven't lost a step, but like, like Naito and Tanahashi look resurgent, if anything. And like Naito in this main event in night two, uh, like, I, was, I kept waiting for his knee to be a big problem, and it just never was. So, you know, that was very, very cool to see. And Tanahashi has been fucking awesome at the start of this year. I mean, really, really awesome. So, I mean, you know, just a, 
I think things are things in New Japan in a lot of ways. It's a very weird promotion to try to talk about right now because these are, there are some big problems, and the Bullet Club is a big problem, and the booking of the Bullet Club. I think really that is the main problem. I think that's really what it showed me, like just the difference between night one and night two, is that really all of the problems that I have with New Japan lie with the Bullet yeah, Club. Yeah, it's all it's 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 because, all like. Yeah, well, because when it was like minimum, like when they were like not really involved at all on night two, that was a great show. And then obviously, like night one was just all Bullet Club all the time, and it was just horrific and terrible. Yeah, like, and it's like the way they booked the Bullet Club too, because there were Bullet Club wrestlers on night two, uh, you know, God and yeah. ELP. But God, I mean, th- their finish for them was practically clean. I mean, it was Jada with the kendo stick, but it was that's clean compared to half the shit on night one. And ELP didn't really cheat or interfere or do anything so you know it's just it's the way they book the bullet club at this point it's not like like when i say you know i have a problem with the bullet club i get replies on twitter that are like oh yeah they've been around for so long and uh, how are they still going it's like i don't really care that they continue to call a stable the bullet club i don't really care if they want to continue selling t-shirts it's the incredible amount of interference and run-ins and even fucking distraction finishes now as we'll get to that that's horrible mm-hmm. i don't it's not the name bullet club that i have a problem with i really don't yeah. give a shit what they call the heel stable they just need to like you know I, I i'm i'm not one of these people that like automatically you know turns off wrestling if if there's any interference I, I it's not that but like there needs to be a limit to it is my thing like you just can't be every yeah. match like it was on night one yeah like with night one it really felt like bad episode of like 1998 Nitro yeah. where it's just like every match has a guy from the NWO and every match has like a shitty finish like the only thing that was missing was like someone turning like Goto turns on Kata or something <laughs> well, like, like it was really the only I thing I think the only thing that was missing was every finish being a disqualification but you know whatever. That's true. <laughs> but yeah so other than that I agree uh, it, but I totally agree I totally get what you mean um but yeah, I mean that those are my macro New Japan thoughts. Though I mean, there's still so much in that company that I think is exciting going forward. I mean, you, we haven't even talked about like guys like Umino and Narita that are going to come back some at some point who look great, and then obviously mm-hmm. all the Forbidden Door stuff, um, you know, could be pretty awesome. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not worried about them long term, but you know, it, it's it's a very, you know, it, it's like it's hard to say both these things at the same time. I'm not worried about them long term. I think they'll be fine. On the other hand, I think a lot of we could be in for more shows in 2021, like the Castle Tag Night One and those Hiroshima shows, because short term I do think they have issues, and you know some of it's not their fault. Obviously, the pandemic, not being able to bring as many people in, not being able to do you know as much interpromotional stuff, you know that's not their fault. But the booking is their fault, and they gotta get like they really. I, I hope they get this fucking you know Bullet Club shit a little more out of their systems at some point, and I think they kind of will. You know, these things do go in cycles and stuff. But at this point, I'm really fucking sick of it. And after at the end of night one, I was like, oh, my God, I need to stop watching this company. <laughs> but but then <laughs> night two happened and did, um, you know, reaffirm, uh, you know, what, what I love about the company. So, yeah, like I, I definitely expect them to, like, recover by the time, like, the G1 rolls around because there's, there's some potential for, like, some really good names to be in that yeah. now. 
with like the forbidden door stuff and everything so that could be really yeah, as long exciting as travels, if travel restarts but by then I, I, we could be yeah, amazing too. yeah yeah exactly like i i mean obviously like with Mox retaining and everything like he probably will be in g1 oh yeah we if he like if he can get to the country we had to touch that. on that too I, I totally forgot i'm glad you reminded me yeah moxie versus kenta was awesome like that was about as good yeah that was, that awesome. was about as good yeah. as you could have a match in an empty fucking warehouse i went four stars on that awesome match and i totally think John Moxley retaining the U.S. title was the right decision because, and I also think that like if he had been allowed to travel, if that had been a possibility, that would have been a Castle Attack yeah. Night One, and that probably would have meant that show would have been a lot better because then he would have had two good matches exactly. on that show. And like you know, John, I mean, I know some people were kind of mad that Kenta lost after all the build. I get that. If you're a big Kenta fan, I I love Kenta too, so I get that. But on the other hand, like as far as like what is more useful to New Japan either having this... Look, the IWGP US title fucking sucks, okay? It's fucking sucked forever. <laughs> I used to make fun of that title every sh- in every show preview I ever, I ever did because it was this weird red belt that's kind of ugly that for some reason no Japanese wrestler ever wanted to challenge for. Like, I don't know if people understand this. There have been two challengers for the IWGP US title who were not foreigners. In New Japan history. It was <laughs> Yoshihashi on a Ring of Honor show. When he challenged Kenny Omega. During Kenny's first reign. And then you have to go all the way to Moxley and Minoru Suzuki. From February 2020 before the world ended. To get your second challenger. They went like three and a half years. Or two and a half years or whatever. Without another Japanese wrestler. That is insane for a company called New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm sorry. And like they never specifically came out and said, okay, this is about that only foreigners challenge for for some reason. They just kept having only foreigners challenge for it. And it was bizarre. It was like, why do we have this weird belt that only foreigners care about in this company? It's so, it was so weird. So I. And it was also only heavyweight yeah. as well, like because all of the like foreign juniors. Yeah, because it was the IWGU's heavyweight so. title. But yeah, it's very, very yeah. bizarre. Very bizarre title. And, you know, having that title back in New Japan is. I mean, it really is not important at all to have that title. I mean, look, if you've really missed it in the last year, like if you've thought to yourself one time in the past year, ah, oh, the U.S. title, I remember that belt. It would be cool to have it around. Congratulations. You're the biggest fan of the U.S. title in the entire world because <laughs> nobody else cares about that belt. So, ha- like, to be fair, I missed it, but only because Moxley yeah. was the champion and I wanted Moxley well, to be in New that, Japan. That but sense. yeah, that's like, like the belt different. itself. Yeah. No one cares. So, no, you so like having that belt back in Japan doesn't matter at all. It, New Japan does not miss that belt at all. It has, there's no fucking, it doesn't, like having that belt back as just this weird foreigner belt in Japan does not matter. Having Moxie with that belt as the top babyface on a national television program and, New, and for whatever reason, AEW is willing to continually call him the US champion, the IWGP US champion, that has way more value than having the belt back in America. So it makes total sense. You want to keep the belt on this guy who's on national TV every week, you know, who you now, on a company that you now have a relationship with. I mean, in every, in every single facet, that's exactly what, I mean, I, I would totally make the same decision. I completely agree with that decision. So yeah, Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's makes total sense to me. Um, I mean, given that new Japan, just like the only TV deal they could just get in the U S is like a, deal with the Roku channel. They desperately need to increase their profile and like what better way than to be on TNT yeah. every week and have like the guys talk about, oh yeah, he's the champion from, yeah, from New exactly. Japan. 
So it makes total sense. And I told it, but yeah, the match was awesome. Uh, if you haven't gone back and watched it, definitely check that out. Red Narita versus uh, the Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson. That was pretty good, pretty damn good too. So those are both worth checking out yeah. on that last episode of Strong. And apparently Narita is no longer a young yeah, yeah, lion. Yeah, Shabbat did say that. Um, but yeah, so if you're you know if you're like me and you haven't watched Strong, because that was like the first time I watched Strong in like two months, uh, I would definitely check that episode out because that was uh, you know Moxley and Kenta was awesome and Narita and uh, Dickinson was quite good. But yeah, so let's get into Castle Attack now. Uh, Castle Attack Night 1 from Saturday, February 27th. Of course, at Osaka Joe Hall. This show bombed attendance-wise. only did 1,846. Um, you know, I kind of expected that. First of all, you know, I, I, always worth saying, it's you can't really read that much into pandemic attendance. And there still is a state of emergency in Osaka. So I kind of figured that uh, both shows would be down from the two shows in Osaka Joe Hall in a, you know, back when they first restarted in, in July or June or whatever it was. But, uh, you know, this show, I think just did so much worse than night two that I think you, which I kind of figured going in, it would, because, uh, you know, looking at like Lawson ticket, you know, the ticket sales site, you know, night two was always way ahead. This show did so much worse than night two. I do think you can at least say people probably were not that into this Okada evil feud that made evented. And I, yeah. you know, I just, why would they be? I mean, the feud is, pretty terrible but yeah i mean definitely not a good number here uh especially compared to night two which you know it, it's hard to make apples to oranges comparisons when you know comparing it to you know the what things were like back in june when there was no state of emergency but like you can make an apples to apples comparison with night one and night two in the same weekend and night two you know did 3218 so blow, obviously blew away this show so you know yeah, I think I'm really kind of like not convinced that Evil really is like a viable main yeah. eventer because like even like with like reduced like pandemic attendance and all of that, like I guess they drew well for Jingu, but like that was purely based off of Naito and yeah, people yeah. wanted to see Naito again. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Power Struggle did well too. But um, if I remember, like Power Struggle, I think did let me see. I remember I looked at it and I was like, wow, they did that many people for uh, mm. <laughs> for for a pandemic show in Osaka Ideon, but let's see. So I don't, I, I mean, I don't want to blame Okada, but like this few fucking sucked. So I think, I think that's no, a big does, part of but it. Again, so Naito, so, so yeah. Power Struggle did 2,834, which I think would have been a sellout for the pandemic Ideon because the normal capacity is like, what, like 55 so they, and they're doing less than half. Mm-hmm. So the so Naito yeah. Evil same same uh, city, not the same building, and not yet under a mm-hmm. uh, you know under a state of emergency did almost you know more than a thousand fans more. So I mean that was yeah. a feud that was over. Yeah. This feud was not over. No, but again, like Okada has a proven track right, record right, of right. drawing well, like also in Osaka. So it's like like if I have to put this on one of the two people in the main event, like I'm not gonna put it on a guy that is like a proven yeah, mega I'm draw. just saying I think the feud itself was a bomb and I think I mean the feud oh, yeah, fucking no. sucked it, the feud fucking sucked throughout the entire thing I mean just there's no reason for anyone to care about it uh so yes the main event here Okada beats evil in 28-11 with the Rainmaker I've seen some people say, say this was good I don't know what the fuck match they were watching no. this match <laughs> fucking sucked um you know it starts out with this like starts out slow already uh, okay 
everybody everybody can think whatever they want about evil. I think that debate's fucking kind of played out at this point. Okada slept walk through this match. And watching this match, go watch this match back to back with the match he had with Will Ospreay, his buddy, Will Ospreay at the Tokyo Dome. It's not that Okada's fucking, uh, you know, washed or whatever. He cared about that match and went all out and had a classic Okada performance. <laughs> he sure as shit did not care about this match. And he did not do... He, I mean, he did basically nothing for a lot of it. The, the start of the match has an extended chin lock from Okada. It's like, that's really a great way to start the... Uh, to bring the excitement here. And, you know, just nothing... There was just nothing to a lot of this match. And the big problem right now with Okada's matches... So, so obviously, he, he does the... You know, he does the Rainmaker, um, you know, to to beat Osprey after he can't beat Osprey with the money clip. And I was like, okay, so that's it. The money clip's over. No. Now he does 20 plus minutes of fucking tapper nap money clip bullshit for with, with this. This hold is not good. It's never been good. It never will be good. Watching the two of them sit there in this fucking hole. And Evil didn't help. I'm not trying to let Evil off the hook here. Evil sold this thing like uh, he was mildly irritated most of the time. But like, you know, the only person who's made, who I think has managed to make it look really good is Shingo in that G1 match. But uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Evil did not do a good job with it either. But yeah, we have to sit, basically, oh, the story of Okada's matches now is he is so much better than all of his opponents, but he doesn't even want to use his move. He just... Does this buddy clip for 25 minutes. You have to sit there and watch him put these guys in this fucking stupid hold over and over again. And then at some point he goes, eh, I guess I'll use my move and win. That might actually be even worse than the original money clip story. I mean, he is now willing to do the Rainmaker again, but he's but not until he makes it sit through 20 plus minutes of, uh, you know... The, the of fucking money clip bullshit before he finally puts us all out of his misery, and yeah, this was just this was horrible. I really don't understand people who said yeah. this was good. I I mean I will at least say that this wasn't the worst main event that we're gonna talk about on oh, I thought this today's was show, but it I, I but at least like it was close. So I'm gonna put it that way. But yeah, like you're completely right that like it was very obvious that Okada just did not give a shit at all about the feud. Because especially if you look at like his post-match promo, where he basically just completely <laughs> buried the yeah. dude. Like he almost like keep like again like talking about like WCW, he almost like like caught a shoot promo on New Japan for making him do this feud with Evil. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just don't know what people what, like. This was so much worse than all than the Naito Evil matches, even the one I didn't like at all. The the Summer Struggle one. I mean, you know, Okada, he just basically. Um, just kept reapplying this fucking money clip, and there was just no sense of drama at all. I never thought he was actually going to lose to it. Um, you know, we had all the fucking normal bullshit with Dick Togo coming in with the spoilers choker. Um, you know, the only moment of the match I really liked was Okada hitting his own low blow on Evil after Evil hit the low blow, because I do like it <laughs> when the wrestlers fighting the Bullet Club are like, you know what, fuck these guys, I'm just going to cheat too. Because Naito did the same thing. It, it, is, a, it is always a great moment. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just the only thing that sort of saved it was they had a kind of hot closing stretch, I guess, with like the reversals of each other's moves. Um, and Okada fucking up the tombstone at the end. I think that was a fuck up. Ended up turning into a Michidoku driver. That looked kind of cool. And he should probably just do that as a new variant or something. 
But yeah, I mean that saved, that got up to two and a quarter for me. It was a below average match because and below before that closing stretch that I thought was actually pretty good, it was going to be like one star. So I, I bumped it up to like two and a quarter. But yeah, I fucking hate Money Clip Okada. I fucking just hated every almost all of this match. It's just not a good story. Like if if Okada got on the mic after the match and you know showed some vulnerability and was like. You know, I really wanted to use this money clip. It re- it's really frustrating that I can't beat anybody with this money clip, you know, except low-level guys. And I hate that I have to go to the Rainmaker, but Evil made me do it. Like, put over Evil, like, as like, oh, Evil maybe like, really, like, fucking drive the story home. You know, maybe that would be okay. Instead, he gets on the mic and, like you said, completely buries Evil. Completely buries the concept <laughs> of feuding with Evil. Doesn't even care, doesn't even seem to care that he can't actually win with his money clip and keeps having to do the Rainmaker. So if you don't care, then why the fuck are you doing this move at all? Why are you making us sit through 25 <laughs> minutes of tap or nap? You've just been clipped. Bullshit. I just don't understand it at all. And, like, and fucking Evil... He, this guy, they should have, like, if this, if this is what they were going to do with this guy, they should have left him in LIJ as the big, beefy guy who does lariats because they have basically buried this guy since he won the double titles. Like, go back and look at his booking, okay? He has lost pretty much in every major situation uh, since he won the double titles. He almost lost in belts to a junior, if not, if Dick Togo didn't run in. He lost to Naito <laughs> despite Dick Togo's, you know, help and summer struggle. So he immediately lost the belts, like, you know, 50 days after he won them. He beat Naito in the G1, again, with, with plenty of help, I believe. So, whatever. Who cares? And then, uh, you know, he loses Naito again in power struggle, despite Dick Togo and, uh, fucking Jay White trying to help him. <laughs> then he loses to Sonata to the Tokyo Dome. You know, again, despite Dick Togo trying to help him. Then he spends two months ducking Okada and not giving him a singles match. And like a complete <laughs> coward. And then he gives him a singles match and he gets his ass beat again. Even though Dick Togo was trying to help him throughout. I mean, this guy looks like a fucking jobber. And like, I don't really understand this. Yeah. Like, he doesn't look like a top star or top heel at all. He looks like a fucking dork. And I, I like evil. I like evil more than a lot of people. And... They are booking this guy like he's a fucking geek. And I really don't understand it. But I don't know. And he's probably also going to, like, lose, like... Because I assume, like, at some point, like, this year, Jay White and him are going to feud. And he's yeah, going I'm to sure lose that feud well. as well. I mean, they aren't, even, they aren't even teasing it anymore, which makes me think it, it's not going to happen until, like, next year's Wrestle Kingdom or something. But, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, just, like... The way this guy has been booked since winning the double titles, it's like, why put the double... Like, this is, again, the where New Japan's booking has been pretty bad. It's like, why put the double titles on this guy and then immediately make him look like the, the biggest geek in the company? It just... Like, this, this entire feud with Okada and this match buried this guy. I mean, I don't use that word lightly. It made this guy look like a fucking moron. So I don't... I really don't get it at all. I don't, I don't understand what they're doing, so... Maybe my prediction will come true and Tim and Sonata will just, like, <laughs> shake hands soon and reform yeah, the tag just... team. That would be a complete burial when he just goes, like, yeah, actually, I'm really shit and I can't <laughs> even win when I have 50 people help me. So, Sonata, let's just put the band it's back just, together. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, some people said this match was good. I don't really get it at all. I mean, I guess, the, like I said, the last, like, two or three minutes of this 28-minute match were pretty good. But I, I, it's not worth sitting through 
again, 28 minutes and like 24, 20 of them at least was all this fucking tapper and that bullshit. I just cannot take that fucking money clip. So whatever. It's it, that I was joking on uh, either on Twitter or on Slack. I don't remember about, um, you know, obviously the AEW fans are all excited about Okada coming and maybe wrestling Kenny, but it's like, I hope you know what you're getting. You're not getting tw- uh, Wrestle Kingdom 11 Okada. You're getting Tapper Nap. You've just been clipped Okada. So have fun with that. <laughs> I mean, it's just. I can't wait until he taps out <laughs> Kenny with the money clip live on Dynamite. Any other final thoughts, I guess, on Okada versus Evil? Uh, no. I mean, I guess Okada's going to win the IWGP title from Ibushi when he wins, like, New Japan Cup, which I guess is going to make Naito look. Like even more of a geek, so that's I don't think probably not great. You think he's winning so... the backup? Yeah, I think he's winning back to belt because he's gonna do the thing where he's gonna go like, yeah, I don't want that IC title. I just want the IWGP title, and that's how they split it up. If they split it up, I don't even know well, anymore yeah, what they're doing. I think Cody's just unifying them, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. Uh, the semi-main event here: Jay White defeats Tomohiro Ishii. And 25-42 with the Blade Runner. Um, so this is really good. Especially by the end. Uh, I really like this. I will say, I, I thought it was a little... I didn't have it at the same level as some people. I just thought the the match just went, like, again, 25 minutes. Definitely should have cut 10, 10 minutes of that. Because, like, you know, basically we got all the way to the 15-minute call. Um, with, like, just a lot of very slow action. You know, a lot of Jay's endless stalling in the first five minutes. Sometimes that works for me. Sometimes it doesn't. And diff- this was definitely a doesn't. Um, you know, White worked over Ishii's ribs. You know, nothing really wrong, but just very dull. And I was on a show that really uh, hadn't been a barn burner up leading up to this leading up to this match. Uh, and then Jay, you know, eventually the, the only real highlight to me in the first fifteen minutes was Jay giving a. Uh, head and arm suplex to Ishii straight into the railing. That looked pretty nasty. But, you know, after the 15-minute mark, it really picked up. But, uh, that's, uh, you know, it was a, it was, it was just not, not, like, the first 15 minutes just did not blow me away. And that's a long time, you know? So, I mean, that's why I can't really go higher. But, yeah. No, I mean, it it was the best match on the show by far. I mean, I mean, not really a big accomplishment since every other match was bad, but like it, it was still, I felt a little bit disappointed, even though it was a really good match, just because it felt, and that might be more to do that I had different expectations for White when he came back, because he basically just came back, like because they did this whole storyline of him, like, oh, is he leaving? Is he not leaving? And he comes back and he's just the same. Like in a way, I feel like he's almost gone back a little to like what he was like doing in 2019 rather than like how he was wrestling in 2020 so like it it was a good match but it felt like i was like what like i felt that he regressed a little bit almost and again that could be part of the like long-term storyline but like it is still a little weird that he just like came back as like the same jay white yeah no i totally agree um but yeah so like everything after the 15 minute mark was really awesome. So, you know, like, just, you know, Ishii, like, um, there, there was a great moment where, like, the silence of the building really worked, where, like, Ishii was, like, trying to walk through Jay's elbows and just, like, keep no-selling them, and all you could hear was Gato's, like, pains, like, oh, no, from the floor, as he, like, kept shrugging off Jay's attacks. That was really cool. 
Um, but yeah, there was like just everything after fifteen minute fifteen minute mark was awesome. I mean, they just did some really really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it just I I I just wish they skipped the first ten minutes or so, which is a problem with lots of New Japan matches these yeah. days. But but yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> there's there's matches where the opening part being slower works and matches where it doesn't work. And I don't think it really worked here. I mean, I went three and three quarters. So, you know, I just can't quite go four stars. If you if you cut the first 10 minutes, this is easily four plus. But, uh, you know, the 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 other, the other the only other problem maybe is like they did a little too much of the reversal dance stuff for me. But that happens a lot with Jay White matches. But I did like that it was clean with Gato getting taken out and not being a factor at all in the finish. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, just a... And the other part, part too, was like the work on Ishii's sternum ended up not mattering at all. He didn't really even sell it past the 15-minute mark. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just that all that stuff keeps from being four stars to me. I mean, like, again, everything after 15-minute mark, fucking awesome. Uh, like, four-and-a-half-star level, probably. Yeah. But, you know, the rest of the match drags it down to me, so. Yeah, no, it was fine. Uh, I, I can easily see why people overrate it so much because, obviously, it looks so much better than <laughs> yeah, everything else yeah. on the show. So that, that that's probably why so many people have this as like a forest damage, but yeah, it didn't really get there for I mean, me I at all. I think if you're if you if you're looking for something to watch from the show, this is obviously it. But being that it's so long, I think it's also easily skippable. So, uh, yeah, like just skip exactly. <laughs> Match number four: Toriano beats Chase Owens in twelve fifty in the YTR style Texas Strap Match to retain the KOPW twenty twenty one. I'm gonna be honest with you. I did not pay any attention to this match. I don't even feel comfortable giving it a rating. Um, <laughs> I'm over this KOPW stuff. Like, just completely over it. Uh, Chase Owens, probably a pervert. Just don't care about him. And if you liked it, listener, more power to you. Yano won. Good for him. I, I just don't have any I don't have any thoughts on this. Just It's a match that... It's a match that yeah, happened. no. Uh, the, the only thing... Yeah. yeah, the only thing I can say is that, like, when I watched this match, and yeah, as you didn't really pay all that much attention, but that's really when like the thought came to me that like yeah, this show is like a 1998 Nitro, because that's exactly like the type of match you would have had on that show as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Um, then we had okay, so these two matches basically led right into each other. Uh, Hiroki Goto beat Tamatanga in 6:39 with the GTR. Uh, it started right from the post-match attack in the previous match, which we'll get to in a second. It's not something New Japan does often, so that was kind of cool, I guess. Um, but yeah, this was easily the better of the two uh, singles matches. I thought Tama did a good job matching Goto's fast pace and their big elaborate counter sequence at the end. Maybe a little hokey, but I, I like that it led right to the finish with Goto hitting the GTR at least. So I would go three stars, better than I expected. It's probably helped they kept it short, but uh, you know, fine little match. Yeah, I did like that they did the Heyman special here of like the one match ends and it like leads yeah. straight into the other one. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know. The match was short. And I, I didn't really like it otherwise. Like, Goto did well, but I'm just completely done with Tamatonga. I mean, he has just given up. Now that he's, like, shaved off his beard, he's basically lost, like... I realized that that was the actually only interesting part about <laughs> him was his beard. Because without it, he just he just looks like such a complete jobber. And I just can't take him seriously. Uh, match number two, Tonga Loa beats Yoshihashi in 1258. With the ape shit, this was really dull. Like they just were trading holds, very slow striking. Yoshi was working on Tonga's arm in a very uninteresting manner before Jado like tripped him up uh, from the floor to let Tonga go to work. Tonga like 
I don't know. He's been watching too many Roman Reigns matches or something. His scre- his mid match dialogue was pretty <laughs> terrible in this match. Like he, you know, I've been I've been like uh, praising his ring work a lot. And I think it's been it's gotten a lot better. But like, man, you gotta stop the Roman Reigns mid match promos here. Like he was screaming at him, "Don't you die on me!" I was like, so fucking goofy. Like just really did not work at all. Um, and then just as the match was starting to get decent. We had a fucking WWE-style distraction finish. Uh, Tom and Tiger comes down. Yoshihashi notices him there. So he just fucking stares at him while trying to get Tonga in the karma. And Tonga immediately counters for the ape shit for the win. I will say it wasn't as bad as your normal WWE distraction finish because Yoshihashi didn't just drop Tonga lower and, like, walk to the ropes and be like, Hey, I know you. You're a guy. And completely <laughs> forget about his actual opponent. But I still fucking hate it. Like... I would rather have actual interference every day of the week than fucking distraction. Distraction fish is the worst of the world. Do not do them. Uh, I went two and a half stars. Just a, a nothing match most of the way. Bad finish. You know, the end was fine, which took it up to, like, I guess, average. So two and a half is probably even generous. But, uh, you know, just a very average match. Yeah, no. I mean, the only thing, the only way it would have been worse if it, if instead of Tama coming out, they had just played the GUD's music. And that would have been a distraction for Yoshihashi, where he just like starts looking at the entranceway, and that's how he loses. Because that would have been complete WWE bullshit. But yeah, otherwise, I don't know. There was really nothing to the match, and I'm still not sure which which submission hold is actually worse: the butterfly lock or the. Yeah, they're both monocle. terrible. <laughs> because they're both terrible. At at least Shingo did. At least there's some people that managed to like make the money clip look good. But like, I don't think anyone has ever actually managed to make Yoshihashi. Well, when he does the one with like the hammerlock, now it's actually it looks okay. But other than that, yeah, the regular butterfly lock looks terrible. Uh, the opener was a six-man tag team match. Uh, the team of the Great Okan, Will Osprey and Jeff Cobb, defeated Tanahashi and Tenkoji. Uh, Osprey pinned Tenzan in ten twenty-two with the Oz Cutter. Um, this was pretty good, I thought. I thought this was like this was the second best match from the show. Um, you know, better open than I expected. It was really fun watching Tanahashi uh, run wild on the Empire team about five minutes in. And then Tenzan's continued pain at being un- unable to do the Mongolian chop was very sad, although he would do it soon <laughs> if he found out. But yeah, Okan delivered the Eliminator to Tanahashi. Cobb gave Kojima the tour of the islands. And then Cobb and Okan held Tenzan for the Ozcutter. Um, I thought that was a great fucking finishing sequence. It was like total domination for the united empire basically uh really fun opener here i went three and a quarter uh everybody worked really hard so you know definitely can recommend mm-hmm. that one unlike most of the show but yeah overall this show you know night one of castle tech was pretty terrible uh the main event really just capped off how bad it was and yeah i mean like all that bullet club bullshit being all over the show was just such a fucking downer <laughs> and just made it such an, a really hard show to get through but luckily night two would uh you know, would it be a major improvement, as we'll get to in a second. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. Like, just a terrible show. Probably the worst major New Japan show. And I'm actually trying to think of Japan, one that was worse New, than this, and I can't really think of anything. Was worse. <sighs> yeah, that, <laughs> that was, was pretty bad, bad too. Yeah. There was also, that gets, gets what the... I actually have mostly, I have mostly deleted what, that show off of my brain. I reviewed that was. show. And I really only remember the turn. Okada Evil. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. But like, at least <laughs> yeah. that had to turn. But it's like the only thing I actually remember yeah. about the show, to be honest. Uh, Castle Attack Night 2, February 28th. That was, of course, today, Sunday. Uh, a much, much better show. And the attendance, 3,218. You know, well above Night 1. Uh, below the Dominion from last year, which was not during a state of emergency in the same building, that was 3,898. Uh, it was about on par with the New Japan Cup final which was 3318. So I would say a very good number, especially for a, you know, again, state of emergency pandemic, you know. So people definitely are interested in this main event. Yeah. Uh, and the main event? I think it's very easy to see that Naito is, like, very clearly, like, the biggest draw yeah. in Osaka. I mean, I don't think that's a surprise, but, like, that really, really uh, The main event, Kota Ibushi defeating Tetsuya Naito in 2750, uh, the Kamigoe to retain the Intercontinental title, his third defense. Um... Yeah, this was, I mean, absolutely out-fucking-standing match. I mean, it's really, i really going to have to watch this back-to-back with the Tokyo Dome one to decide which one I like better. Uh, they're essentially tied for my match of the year right now. I mean, just an incredible match here. Um, first of all, we got this new IC title history video with all the champions. That ruled. It was a great fake-out for Ubushi winning and probably unifying them anyway. But yeah, it was a great little like video going through all the previous IC champions. And I love that Naito's little uh, moment in the video was him just tossing that IC belt and sending it fucking flying. That was just so fitting. So great, great video. Um, Naito came out in his white suit, of course, to because he's trying to win the white belt here. Um, yeah, the match did start out slow to the point where I thought they were probably going to go even longer than they did. Uh, but Naito... You know, it, it, it actually then sped up a little sooner than than I was expecting, so I guess I should have known. But yeah, they, we got, like, this fun little running sequence, which ended with uh, Naito throwing Ibushi straight up in the air and then hitting this really cool drop kick to the leg on his way down, uh, which started him just working over the leg for a while. And, you know, Naito, there was this awesome moment where he applied this, he applied this figure four in the ring, and he is, like, grinning at him like a maniac, and Code is selling like crazy, and it's just like the the entire like I don't know it almost felt like it encapsulated both guys and they're both so great there. Uh, and Coda ends up getting the ropes uh, that was just before the ten minute call. Um, you know if they were, if you want to nitpick, which I guess is the only reason why I didn't give it five. Coda uh, came back with like a huge drop kick, not the first move I'd throw after five minutes of leg work, but he did go down, selling the leg heavily at least, so that was good. Um, and then Naito put a stop to Ibushi's rally with like this one single slap that just dropped him and then, you know, gave another big drop kick to the, to the back uh, and then went back to the leg again. And then Naito hit this huge swinging DDT off the ropes and that led to this really fun elbow exchange before Naito went to the leg again. Uh, he took Ibushi down to the mat and put him in an inverted figure four this time. Uh, kept working over the leg and then did the repeated elbows in the corner and then did this, like... So he he is trying to do his this variation of like almost a diamond dust, which is like this uh, insane flipping DDT. I don't remember what he calls it. I think it might be on the back of my jacket. Let me see. Uh, yes, the Esperanza is what he calls it. I think. And Nicole just gave me a look because I just pronounced that very badly in Spanish. I'm sure. Uh, do you want to tell the people how it should be? Sp- I mean, I would have to see it, but I think it's supposed to be Esperanza. Isn't yeah, it? right there, Esperanza. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Do you know? <sighs> I think it's like hope or something. I'm not sure. Uh, you should look it up. It okay. is definitely a word. I just can't remember it offhand. Well, there you go. 
But yeah, so, so anyway, so he stopped doing it for a while because it looked horrible every time he did it. But they fucking pulled this off perfectly. And Coda, like, basically took this bump fucking straight down on his neck. Because, of course, he did. And it was, like, one of the <laughs> sickest bumps I've ever seen. Just an incredible bump by Kota Ibushi. Um, and then Naito followed up with the Gloria uh, as he got the 20-minute call. And then everything in this match went completely insane. Uh, you know, Kota, like, came back by driving Naito on the turnbuckle pad off the top rope. Hits a big middle kick. He gets the Swan Dive German. If People probably know the Swan Dive German by now. It always looks like it kills guys anyway. But Naito looked like he actually suffered a fatality here. I mean, he landed directly on his fucking head and shoulders. It was one of the sickest bumps I've ever seen. Kota uh, hit a big power bomb. Naito came back with the Valentia. Left both guys down. And then Ibushi hits an absolutely insane short-arm lariat. Like, pulls Naito in. Nearly takes his goddamn head off. And Naito takes one of the best lariat bumps I've ever seen. Uh, Naito then came back with a running Destino. Kota, like, again, probably took the sickest bump of all time for that move, too. Just, like, landed right on his neck. That got a two-count. Uh, Naito, you know, went for another Destino. Ibushi caught him up on his shoulder. Uh, Naito fought his way down, ran up for it again, but ran right into a high kick from Kota. That was so awesome. Uh, and then Kota followed up with a huge step-up knee. And then Kota delivered the Kamigori to the back of the head, went for it for the front. Naito reversed it into a cradle. I th- was like, oh my god, is that actually... Because I could have seen him winning this with like a cradle or something to protect Kota, so I thought that might have been the finish. But Kota just barely kicked out, and people were like gasping. And then Kota landed back on his feet, hit the Kamigori after all, but Naito kicked out. And then Kota, but he had nothing left because Kota goes for another Kamigoe. He gets it, just like collapses on him, which is so great. And that's the pin. Incredible match. Four and three quarters. Might be my match of the year right now. It's really close between this and their dome match. But I think I like this one very slightly better. Like, I again, we talked about how some in the last match, how sometimes the early part of a New Japan made event when it's like slow and stuff doesn't work. But these two guys made that portion of this, this match work. With Naito's just maniacal leg work. He's crazed, grinning and all that. And Ibushi's amazing selling. And then they got to the fucking... Uh, so that part of the match was good. And then once the head drop fest started, I mean, it was, like, just incredible. I mean, just, like, you know, the, the, the stuff they usually do, basically. But just, like, these two, they never miss. I have no idea what the hell I was thinking not being excited for this because of the, the goofy build. But they have, they have literally never had a bad match. Their matches are always awesome. This was another awesome one. Um, and yeah, I just uh, th- this was incredible. I mean, uh, there's really not much else to say. I mean, another another incredible match with these two. Kota Bushi said it, said it best at backstage afterwards when he said, uh, Naito-san, let's keep having fun together. And I am definitely down for that because this is what these two people consider fun, uh, <laughs> dropping each other on their heads and necks for a half an hour. Uh, who am I to judge? But yeah, I mean, just an amazing match. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, as I said, like these two have like just tremendous chemistry. I think they might actually have like the best chemistry of like two wrestlers in matches with each other. That I mean, really, like that I've yeah. seen in like wrestling history. Because I'm like trying to like think who has had who has had as many it's one of the best matches in wrestling history for sure. It's like it's a worst like top yeah, three. No, like that, that yeah. one easily. Yeah, because but I'm trying to think like who else has had this many like singles matches against each other 
where like literally none of them were like a disappointment or like not like a complete like blow away match of the year can yeah, it's like Canada. it's really hard to think of because like this one was tremendous like i i probably prefer the wrestle kingdom match slightly but yeah like as you said it's like it's really 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 close and it's i probably like need to watch them like back to back like at the end of the year to like see like where I rank which like in terms of like match of the year but it's just amazing that they like managed to do it like every single time and it is it probably like very much has something to do with both of them just being willing to just completely destroy their bodies every single time they like have a match with each other but they also like just have that trust i suppose as well where they like know they can go all out against each other because like both of them are just willing to just take like crazy risk and just yeah as i said like with the esperanza just use things that like they normally wouldn't use because maybe they're not super confident that they can make it work, but they trust each other that the other one will help them to actually make it work. And maybe that's what really makes yeah. their matches so great. And I just, I, you know, this was an incredible match again. And yeah, I think it's, I think a lot of that has to do, like you said, with the comfort level with each other, the willingness to, you know, go out there and basically name each other. And, you know, there is that, like, like that trust level where like, neither guy has to worry like oh should i really do this like maybe he doesn't want to take this bump today it's like no there is neither of these guys ever heard ever even heard of a bump they didn't want to take so i mean it's just it's you know these are a perfect match for each other so yeah i mean you know i now as far as like as far as naito losing this which i didn't expect um you know as a naito fan i'm kind of relieved i really had no idea what they were going to do with this goofy white belt and naito again uh, so I, I was not looking forward to him having this belt back, but now to me, his path is pretty straightforward. I mean, he's gonna, you know, he's definitely gonna fade away for a little bit. He's probably either gonna, I, I wouldn't surprise me if he says he's not going to compete in New Japan Cup because he's injured or whatever, or if, whether it's work or fake or work or true. Um, I said work or fake, work or shoe, <laughs> you know? Um, but yes, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if he skips New Japan Cup. If he's in it, he'll probably lose in like the first round or something. Um, but later in the year, he'll come back and he'll get his revenge on Ibushi. I mean, he loses. It's pretty pretty common Naito bookie. He loses Dakota twice in a row. He'll get his revenge, you know, later in the year. Because I still think Naito Okada is your domain event next year. It just, I, I really would be absolutely stunned if it wasn't. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to. Koda's got. This is Koda's year right now. He's going to get his, his moment right now. And I just, I don't really have any problem with that. And, you know, I was really kind of dreading Naito with his white belt again. And. You know, I don't really mind Kota winning at all. So, um, I wonder if Naito versus Ibushi is the G1 final. Um, but yeah, yeah, Naito, you know, this is uh, the other thing too. Like, if they really are unifying these titles and the IC titles going away, I mean, this was the perfect swan song for this belt. I mean, you know, you have the you start with that cool ass, uh, here's all the IC champions video. You have one last big main event for the title. And, it, 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 oh, yeah, it's another chapter in probably the best Intercontinental title feud of all time. So, like, I mean, it made perfect sense if this was the end of the IC title. So, Especially because it's, like, in the venue where, like, they arguably had the yeah, best yeah. match for that title. In 2019, yeah. So. Yeah, which was tremendous. Like, well, to be fair, I personally would still put Ibushi Nakamura yeah, as, like, the I, better. It's very like, close. I think yeah. title match. But, like, I, I can very easily see that, like, in New Japan canon, because obviously 
Nakamura has been like yeah. shuffled to the background a bit. So I I wouldn't be surprised if they're just kind of trying to like present us like that's like the like that's the that's like the key IC title match. It's like the greatest IC title match ever. And yeah, I guess it makes sense to like get rid of it now. But I'm wondering actually if like because I'm still thinking that Okada's gonna challenge as well. And I'm wondering if because again where if Ibushi doesn't unify them now, where maybe Okada challenges for it and he just challenges for the IWGP heavyweight and then he also loses to Ibushi so he had so now Ibushi has beaten like essentially like both of the guys that like represent like the respective belts and that's when he yeah, unifies maybe. them afterwards yeah so that could also be the story I guess we'll say uh but yeah we'll have to wait and see yeah. what happens there and see who wins the new Japan Cup but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways they could go, and it's you know the one thing the one thing about New Japan right now is you cannot say it's predictable. So I mean, it's definitely not yeah, an, not no. a predictable company right now, which is you know it's good and bad. But I definitely do. I I think that's one of the better things about their booking right now. So, uh, but yeah. And- Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Fifty. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc yeah the, the only downside to me is that like if they actually unified i guess yeah. they make a new belt and i Ugh. Would really hate to see the IWGP that's my, heavyweight that is my only belt complaint. because it's, that's my only it's complaint great. too. The IWGP heavyweight title belt is probably the best title belt in wrestling history, so I that would be a real big yeah. loss if we lost that title belt. But what are you gonna do? Uh, the semi main event here, the IWGP junior heavyweight title, the three way match to name the 89th champion after Hiromu, of course, had to vacate it. Uh, El Desperado pins El Fantasmo. Uh, the match also involved Bushi, of course. Uh, he pinned him in 23-12 with the Pinche Loco to become the a Knife champion. This is pretty awesome. Uh, I really didn't know what to expect from this, and it mm-hmm. way over-delivered. Um, you know, the, the stuff that ELP does that usually annoys me, he really kept to a minimum here. I mean, he did do the, the stupid rope walk sequence, which felt endless. But uh, after that, he did, like, this crazy giant dive to Bushi and uh, Desperado, like, way up the ramp from the top rope. So at least you followed that up with something really cool. And then, you know, the, the, the moment that, like, I think, like, stunned the live crowd and, like, was really, really cool. He takes a page out of Hiromu's book, which was fitting, I guess, and rips at, Fantas- uh, rips at Desperado's mask. And then gives him, he gives him his own boss's finisher. He gives him the God-style pile driver on the <laughs> ramp. And then finishes ripping off his mask and puts it on and struts down the ramp like around with it like a dickhead. And this was, like, the first one where, like, I was like, you know, ELP... I kind of get it now. I kind of get. I kind of get the appeal. <laughs> I mean, he he's still not going to be one of my favorites or anything, but this was like, this was his best match I've ever seen. 
Like, I think this was... I, I wasn't as high on that Will Ospreay match yeah. with some people. But yeah, I mean, I thought he was awesome here. Um, you know, he takes the mask off, stomps on it. Uh, I think I think he tried to kick it in the stands and kind of hilariously, it just went like straight up and then came down on the apron, which is pretty funny. But yeah, um, that left us with ELP and Bushi for a bit, which was more entertaining than I expected it to be. And, you know, ELP was like, rip, he ripped Bushi's shirt off for him and stole his choking spot with it. That was kind of a cool little heel spot. Um, but the Desperado staggers back to the ring with a new mask. He fights off both guys, hits this huge Topecon Hilo to Phantasmo on the floor, uh, just for the 15-minute mark. That was awesome. But ELP comes back with the Styles Clash of Desperado when uh, Desperado had, bl- had blocked the CR2 at first. Uh, but Bushi comes out of nowhere and crucifixes him out of the out of his pinfall attempt from the Styles Clash for his own near fall. That was so cool. Very cool spot. Uh, we get more rapid style near falls for all three guys. Lots of cradles and stuff. And Despy hits ELP with an angle slam after he got out of his attempt at the Pinche Loco. ELP kicks out like 2.999. Um, but then Des- the Desperado, like, he stomps on Phantasmo's foot. It hurts his own foot because Phantasmo has the loaded boot, of course. ELP hits a kick to the <laughs> gut and a kneeling kick to the head. And this actually draws fucking, like, the crowd started gasping. They were like, <gasps> and it's like they actually got this loaded boot over to the point where they they were like really like, oh no, is Desperado gonna be okay? <laughs> Which I was like, okay, I thought this loaded boot thing was kind of kind of silly, but they got it over. So you can't you I mean you can't you can't fucking sit here and say they didn't get it over when people when these women in the crowd are acting like this man's gonna kill him because he's hitting with a kick and his boot is not actually loaded. I mean it's not you know it's fake. So it's like, you know, but these fans are acting like he's going to kill this man. Uh, I thought that was awesome. But yeah, and then uh, ELP follows up with the CR2. Bushi just dives in and stops Marty Asani from counting. That was awesome. He hits a code break on ELP for another two count. And then Desperado hits a huge punch, goes for the Pinche Loco. Uh, Phantasmo makes a last-ditch effort to counter into a cradle. But Despy barely kicks out, which gets another audible reaction. And then Desperado gets back up, hits two straight pinche locos, and does Phantasmo's goofy Undertaker pose pin. That was so great. He gets the win to finally win the junior title after seven fucking years and become the double champion. Uh, this was awesome. Way over-delivered. Uh, such a happy ending. Uh, you know, as happy of an ending as you can have here after Hiromu's injury. I thought that was the, the right move for sure instead of having ELP win. Uh, Desperado finally wins the junior heavyweight singles title. Four stars. Uh... You know, maybe maybe could have gone even higher, but I, I don't really like three way matches and you know one guy getting thrown out, the other guy. It, that's never been my never been my thing. But this was about this is one of the best three way matches I've ever seen, probably because I I really don't like them usually. So you know, this was this was awesome. Yeah, that that's actually literally what I was just about to say. <laughs> it's because I that's exactly my talking point as well. Where I'm usually not a big fan of freeways, and this was really just about as good as you can actually like yeah. book a freeway. And I, but I'm just kind of sad that like we lost Hiromu versus ELP yet again because like I assume that this would have been like the kind of ELP that we would have gotten in this match, and that's probably like some of the stuff he wanted to do in that match. He did in this match instead. So like I I thought that match could have been tremendous, but like if this is what we're going to get from him going forward, then like. I'm definitely a lot more excited about his yeah, matches going forward, I, mean, I suppose. I, 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 so, like, he very he very clearly showed he can go. I, mean, as I have a to be fair. Like, I'm not 
he's he's not a guy I've enjoyed that much. I've buried him before, but he was great here. And if he gives more of this kind of performance, then yeah. you know, then I have no problem with him as a top junior. Um, yeah, but even with that, I am kind of worried about yeah. best of the super junior, so because that would be uh, very. Speaking dire. of top level juniors, the Chris Charlton call. I was watching the Japanese broadcast. <laughs> I did not hear this originally, so I had to go back and watch it. But yeah, Chris Charlton goes uh, mid level junior. Forget that or whatever. He's just he's the best junior in the world. Yeah, yeah no, I did pop. Yeah, <laughs> I pop and I heard that on commentary. Uh, but <laughs> it yeah, was this was a uh, this was an awesome match here. Definitely over delivered for me. And, of course, after winning the junior title, uh, Desperado came out to challenge Ibushi, which, okay, on one hand, it means we, we probably missed out on Ibushi versus, Ibushi versus Hiromu, which definitely would have been awesome. And they were building to it throughout the last tour mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, the New Beginning Tour with all the little promos backstage. On the other hand, this is a great full circle thing because, obviously, Desperado debuted seven years ago, not eight years ago, as Coda said <laughs> repeatedly. I, I want to know, d- okay... There's, it's Kota Bushi, so there's a million different possibilities. Does he think it was 2013? Does he think 20, 2021 minus 2014 is 8 instead of 7? Or does he think it's 2022? I would buy any of those three answers. For why he said it was 8 instead of 7. I mean, the, the thing is, Kota Ibushi falls on his head <laughs> for a living. So, yeah, that's pretty much uh, all I can yeah, say. Yeah, so Bushi, it's you know, and, and El Desperado. I mean, that was Desperado's first feud. He came into the company as a babyface in Hontai, challenged Kota for the junior title, uh, lost to him in Osaka in February, and then turned on him a few months later to join Suzuki Goon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is like full circle here. Now we're going to have a, a match at the anniversary show. It hasn't been announced yet, but it, it sounds like it'll be for the double titles, which is kind of crazy if that does happen. Uh, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. That would be. Could you imagine Quadruple El Desperado <laughs> carrying like all of the all? He wins all of the belts, uh, all of them. But yeah, this this was awesome and great moment for Desperado. Really made the best out of a bad situation with Hiromu getting injured. So, uh, match number four, the never open weight title, Rose Tanahashi surprisingly beats Great Okan with a crucifix hold in eighteen forty four to make his first defense of the never open weight title. This was another awesome match. Uh, you know, this top three of the show, I mean, again, if you've been down on New Japan, I get it. But the top three of the show are so worth your time. I mean, every all three matches here were great. Um, so Okan uh, was like, he came out with these new parachute pants, not like his old ones, he, like these red and blue ones. They looked, I, I like them better than the other ones. So, uh, But yeah, he beats on Tanahashi around ringside. Uh, so he'd been trying to tell Yodosuji to basically turn on Tanahashi and join the United Empire. So he held him. He held Tanahashi for Suji at ringside. Suji like kept teasing he was going to hit him, but then wouldn't do. Wouldn't actually do it. Uh, so that was like our first tease here. And then Okan, we, there was a great moment where Tanahashi was going to go for the dragon screw. This is pretty early on still. But Okan takes that big taped up hand and gives him this huge throat thrust right to the throat. Uh, obviously a throat thrust is the throat. But yes, yeah, a huge throat thrust to Tanahashi. Uh, to break up the dragon screw. Uh, so that was really, really cool. But then Tanahashi, like, put him down, but then, uh, you know, with a big flying forearm right after that, just before the five-minute call. But yeah, so Tanahashi worked over Okan's leg for a while. Uh, the thing that I don't think Okan gets any credit for, you know, so far, I mean, a lot of things, in a lot of circles, is his selling. I think his selling is really good. And his selling here was, I thought, really, really good. 
of you know Tan- of Tanahashi's legwork. He takes really great bumps too, as he did throughout this match. Yeah, like I think he could be a really good baby yeah. face at some point down the line. Uh, as well. Tanahashi later counters the Eliminator by hitting the single slap to the face. Uh, which I have to say, Okan didn't sell that nearly as well. He sold his leg. He just kind of acted like he was stunned and then went straight down, kind of goofy fashion. But the slap was cool. Uh, afterward, Okan mm-hmm. collides with the ref. Uh, so we got a ref bump, which I'm sure got many groans, but really it wasn't that bad. Uh, Okan hits a huge straight punch to the face. That looked pretty great. And then he starts yelling for Suji to throw a chair in the ring. Suji teases it forever. He actually starts banging his head with the chair like he doesn't know what he should do. That was great. Uh, and then finally slides it all the way to Tanahashi instead. Uh, Tanahashi sits down in the chair, does Okan's pose. I thought that was pretty great too. Uh, and then Okan runs into him, but Tanahashi or runs after him. And Tanahashi drop toll holds him into the chair face first. And then, but then Okan <laughs> still still not willing to go down. He counters the sling blade with this really cool axe kick or scissors kick, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I think it is a scissors kick actually. Uh, and then Tanahashi comes back by though by countering the Eliminator straight into Sling Blade. That looked great. He went up top and hit the High Fly Flow crossbody, which Okan took an awesome bump for. Basically bumped right on his neck. Uh, but then Okan rolled out of the way. The real High Fly Flow. Tanahashi came back with two straight Sling Blades. Okan no-sold them. Popped straight up. Hit this enormous lariat. It was so awesome. And the, the crowd like audibly reacted. They they forgot not they weren't allowed to react. Uh, and Tanahashi kicked out it too. And then Okan got Tanahashi in the Iron Claw. Instead of going right for the Eliminator, he turned it into this sort of like rack behind his back, like spinned him around. That was awesome. He d- drove him in the mat, uh, grabs him by the face for a second time, and goes for the Eliminator. Tanahashi turns it into a crucifix hold for the pin. Now I was ready to go four and a quarter on this, but they kind of botched the crucifix hold. It looked pretty bad. And when they botched the finish, you have to take something off, I think. So I went four stars flat. But yeah, this was the, base, the best great Okan match ever. I mean, this was awesome. Much better than their Tokyo yeah. Dome match, which, you know, I, I like that one too. But this was better. No, yeah, this, this was really, really good. Like, and I'm really happy that, like, Okan, like, finally had that, like, big match performance that showed yeah. he can hang people, at that level. hope we will finally so, shut like, the fuck up about that, you know? <laughs> well, they won't because I don't know. Like, there's some people with some very weird brain they worms that are just know? I don't, I I literally don't know what they're watching. Like, like I'm literally you, there's some folks who, like like I'm okay. literally confused. If you want to like, be a, I'm gonna give you a little uh, wrestling punditry lesson for those listening. Not that I consider myself any kind of all time great wrestling pundit, but I think if you want to do this, if you want to critique wrestling and do podcasts and you know even do like lots of tweets about it, or whatever. One of the things you absolutely have to be willing to do is reevaluate wrestlers based on their performances, right? You see so many people who yeah. do this on both ways, where they either they, they like the wrestler once, so he's great forever. And the biggest example I can think of here is AJ fucking Styles, who like obviously fell off a cliff in WWE and people. Jericho's a good one Jericho. too. They they fell off a cliff, and like you know, people still act like they're great. On the other hand, just because you didn't... Actually, there's another one, but we'll oh, talk about okay. him later. Uh, just because you didn't... Just because you didn't like a wrestler the first time you saw them, just because they fuck... Even if they fucking suck the first time you saw them, doesn't mean they can't improve. And if these people who get, like, really... You know, they basically have, like, cement in their shoes where they're not willing to ever reevaluate 
you know, their first impression of a wrestler. It's like, you're just not going to do be good at this whole, you know, uh, reviewing wrestling thing if you're not willing to reevaluate people and base your opinions on what they're doing now, not what they did the first fucking time you saw them. So not, I'm not really even thinking of anybody in particular, I guess. I'm not trying to like sub sub podcast anybody, but like it just I see it from time to time. I'm just like you got to be willing to reevaluate people uh, when they do stuff that is you know either better or worse than what you've seen in the past. So that's my little tiny rant there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean I would I still want to say that like I think it's still a bit weird that Okan lost again, like but I think the match was so. That it actually wrong. didn't hurt him. I mean, especially because Tanahashi yeah. beat him in a very like fluky way, so it looks like he didn't. He just kind of like survived yeah. Okan and you know his veteran guile. I mean, Okan's got to beat him. Yeah. Like if it, he if he had just like hit like a high fly foe yeah. once and then beat. I mean, Okan's got to beat him this year. Yeah. I'm sure. Either it could be as soon as the New Japan Cup. Yeah. Could be maybe not all the way till the G1. But yeah, they're doing this thing where like Okan, they like, Tanahashi is Okan's wall. That he has to get over, which you know they do this sometimes. So yeah. I, I don't really have any problem with it. I was stunned, but I don't have any problem with it at all. But yeah, I, I could totally see that. See them maybe like do this again, yeah. at, like Wrestle maybe. Kingdom next year, and he just beats uh, him there. The third match on the show was the IWGP Tag Team Titles. Uh, the Girls of Destiny beat Goto and Yoshihashi in fifteen forty six. Tamatanga pinned Goto with the gun stun to make their second defense of these belts. I mean, look, this was pretty good i mean it really wasn't anything like special or anything you know um i will say tonga loa made up for his terrible mid-match promo last night by giving us the line of the night after he avoided like some move from yoshihashi uh he's like quote i learned from last night you ain't gonna be no tricky dicky on me bitch end quote that was great <laughs> um but yeah then yoshihashi <laughs> did really great selling after Tonga gave him, like, this big power bomb, I mean, I thought he was legit unconscious or, like, had his bell rung for a second before Tonga kept going after him, so. Um, but, yeah, you know, this is pretty good. Got a big little fast page, big fast page closing stretch. And, like I said before, ended with Jado hitting Goto in the back with the kendo stick for Tonga to get the guns done. That's practically clean for Bullet Club these days <laughs> compared to most of their finishes, <laughs> so. I don't know. I went three and a quarter. It's nothing that's going to blow you away or anything, but uh, it was enjoyable enough. I like. I thought it was fine. Pretty good. Yeah, it, it was okay. I mean, it was nothing special to me. I'm just done with GOD. It's just, I just don't care about their matches. I think actually on English commentary, they brought up that like this was like the <laughs> 29th AWGP yeah. tag title match. And I think they actually mentioned like that they have been in like a certain percentage of like all AWGP tag time title matches ever. And I'm just like, I just can't care about them anymore. I'm just, I just want this. I thought this division had moved past them finally, and it clearly hasn't. And it's yeah, they're always going to go back to, I guess, when they're, uh, you know, when they they don't have anything else they really want to do. And it's very annoying. But hopefully, they yeah. they can they should just go to Dynamite now. Just go show up there where you'll actually be useful, uh, feuding with the feuding with the American Club. Yeah. But I don't know. Just <laughs> oh god. On wait, does that mean we get Tamatong and Tangaloa versus uh, Anderson and Kalos? Well, well, I mean, it's if it's on Dynamite, whatever. Yeah. Uh, match number two uh, was a six-man tag. The famous New Japan. Our feud's already over. Here we go again. Anyway, 
Uh, Okada, Ishii, and Yano beating Evil, Jay White, and Chase Owens. Okada tapping, tapping out Chase in 835 with the money clip. Um, yeah, the, even, first of all, Evil just walked out here to Jay White's theme song for, I think, the first time. Because usually when they team, <laughs> Evil gets his own separate entrance to his own theme song. And good. He's, he's been, they, they buried him anyway, so might as well make this fucking dork walk out there like he's any other <laughs> member of the Bullet Club at this point. Why not? Uh, but yeah, during this match, this is where I first noticed, like, the extra number of people, which ended up being, you know, like, fucking 1,300 more people or whatever, made a big difference because the crowd was probably more into this than they were for any of the singles matches from the previous night. So yeah, <laughs> having an extra, like, 1,300 people made a big difference. Uh, but yeah, two and three quarters, it was fine. Not much more than that. God tapped out Chase. That's actually kind of concerning as well when you think about it because, like, those people that were, like, extra there didn't want to buy tickets to see these guys in a singles match, but the guys that actually did buy tickets then also weren't into those matches, which just tells you yeah. how bad those matches were. And even the people that paid to see them were not as into it as, like, the people the next night yeah. that did not pay to see those matches. Just, like, having more people makes a big difference, I guess, for these crap crowds. But, yeah, especially this big yeah. building. But Because uh, you, you can really tell the difference even at Corican with, like, a few extra hundred people. And it's like, okay, you need more people to make these crap crowds yeah. not completely terrible. Oh, yeah, no, if you get down to, like, 250 people, it gets really Match, The Corican. opener was uh, Tenkoji surprisingly beating Osprey and Cobb. Kojima pinned Jeff Cobb in 956 with a lariat. Uh, presumably that will set up like a New Japan Cup first round match, I assume. But uh, yeah, this was fine. Yeah. Again, uh, I don't know why Tenzan just started doing the Mongolian chops. It was pretty stupid. He said it was a new Mongolian <laughs> chop. I didn't really notice any difference, but sure. Uh, <laughs> just kind of dumb. <laughs> what are you going to do? It's two and three quarters again. I just not nowhere near as good, I thought, as the six man opener from night one. It was fine. Yeah, no, but it is still surprising that, like, the best feud in the company right now is uh, the United Eng- yeah. Empire versus Tenkoji. Like, even if that match was a bit below, like, the previous matches, but it's still somehow the hardest feud. And, yeah, there's going to be some fun, like, round one of the New Japan Cup yeah. coming out of that. So, at least it was, like, it, it's a well-built so there feud. There is your Castle Tech coverage uh, night again. If you haven't watched anything, night one, I think you can skip the whole show. Maybe you can watch... Ishii White, if you feel like it. Night two was fucking awesome. You could watch the whole show if you want, but especially watch the top three matches. So, uh, and meanwhile, yeah. as we're recording, we don't know anything coming up because uh, they're going to announce one a.m. tonight uh, the New Japan Cup lineup and the uh, you know the New Japan Cup bracket and the anniversary show lineup. So don't forget Wednesday on the Wrestling Omakase Patreon, the Pick'em uh, Patreon.com/slash Wrestling Omakase, and I need to mention too. I totally forgot to mention this earlier. We're going to be doing our first ever New Japan Cup Pick'em Bracket Contest. So you can fill out your bracket. Uh, you know, if you, anybody listening can fill out the bracket. I will link it on the Omakase uh, Twitter, which is twitter.com slash Russell Omakase. And, you know, just make all your picks on there. We're, we're getting a big assist from uh, Chris Samson and Sport of Pro Wrestling who are providing the, uh, the back-end stuff. So thank you so much to Chris. And, you know, you can go on there, fill out your bracket, and if you win, if you get the most matches right of anybody, uh, I will give you a free month of the Wrestling Omakase Patreon. And that will be open whether you're a current patron, former patron, whether you've never signed up with a patron at all, you'll just sign up. I will PayPal you five bucks. If you're already signed up, I'll just still PayPal you five bucks. You'll get a free month of the Patreon. So that will be the prize uh, if you enter our New Japan Cup Pick'em Contest. 
So definitely check that out. That'll be dropping on Twitter, I assume, tomorrow on Monday once the uh, brackets are, you know, out. And we have a bracket to enter, so. But. I was going to enter a bracket anyway, but now we're actually like, trying with it. <laughs> uh, the Alchpad. We'll move over there to the Alchpad Excite series. Uh, before we get to the Corican, I wanted to briefly touch on the uh, February 18th and 20th shows. The 18th was uh, Shinkiba. That was fine. I wouldn't really say there's anything you need to go out of your way to watch. The, you know, the, the Kento versus uh, Abdullah singles match was kind of interesting, but not, like, great or anything. Um, so I would say the show was all right. I don't know if you feel any different, but... Yeah, no, that match just yeah. kind of existed. The build to the match was, like, more interesting, actually, where they did, a, where they did like, a video at the uh, uh, Big Japan Dojo where... Uh, Abdullah just like drank like three full glasses <laughs> of raw eggs. So that was probably the most entertaining thing about that whole. Uh, and then we had the the show in Nagoya on the 20th. That is much more recommended for me, at least. I mean, I, I only watched the top two matches, but the all Asia tag title match, uh, which was Zeus and Izanagi uh, beating Utamaro and Irie, that was awesome. Or, you know, really good. I went three and three quarters. Uh, just right below four stars, and just a lot of fun that you know the two halves of purple haze fighting it out. Yeah, no, that was tremendous. Like purple haze has really become like my favorite stable in the whole company, which is interesting given that I really, really didn't like them at around this yeah. time last year, I suppose. But they've become really, really good, and they're just like essentially dominating like the undercards of all Japan. So much so that they just had like. A, Instead of having like someone else challenge, they just had like their own stable challenge them for the bills because they've just beaten everyone else. So uh, that and that match also ended up being really good because these four have just really good chemistry with each other, but also when they face off. So yeah, it's the, they made the all Japan like undercut like a lot more exciting than it really has been in years because it used to be like really dry, but ever since Purple Haze has come around, like it's actually been like really really dynamic. And with, like, the young guys they have there as well. So it's actually really, really interesting, which I really would not have expected uh, two years ago when it was really dry. Uh, and then the main event, Shima beating Koji Iromoto to win the junior title. Another awesome match. I went four stars on it. I saw some people go even higher. Uh, you know, just a, one of the best um, Iwamoto matches I can remember because he usually kind of has a ceiling with me. But, yeah, definitely one worth going out of the way to see there. Yeah, no, that would, I think that's so far it's my favorite match in all Japan this year. It's see, both guys I just did tremendously. Uh, Yuma Ayagi was better. That was my that's I went four and a half on that. No, I mean I'm gonna talk about it more later. Why no, this match was way better for me because it's, I have my issues with the Triple Crown champion. Uh, but yeah, so I think this was really really strong. But I'm also someone that really likes Ivamoto. So it's probably very easy for me to like just go higher on this match mm. than pro- most others. And to me, it's like the best match in the promotion so far. And him and Shima just had really good chemistry as well, where they just like went all out. Like, I think it's actually been a while. Well, no, to be fair, no, he did have big singles matches in DDT as well. But like outside of that, like, like Shima has mostly been doing like multi-man tags. So it's really nice to like see Shima like do like a big singles match again. And I'm actually really excited about him in the All Japan Junior Division because the junior division has been really, really good. 
like a couple of years ago was probably the worst thing about the promotion because you had just Ultimo and Tajiri just doing really bad, boring grappling for 15 minutes. But now it's a really exciting division because you have Ivamoto had a really good title reign. Before that, you had Susumu have a great title reign as well. And you have all of these young guys in the uh, in the division as well, uh, which makes it very, very exciting. And the most exciting that division has been in years, probably like going back like 10 years when they, ha- when they had guys like Kenny Omega in the division. So really good job of them. And I think Shima is going to have some really great matches with the guys in the division. And I think ultimately like someone like Itsuki Ayagi who just, has become so much better this year over the past year. Like it's amazing to see his development. I think he will ultimately be the person to beat Shima for the belt, and it's going to like really help launch his career. And then we get to the Excite series Corican, which is the show we're really going to review here on the twenty third of February. Not a good show, I will say. There's a really awesome angle, but the rest <laughs> of the show is very not good. So we'll get, I mean, I, I like the main event more than a lot of people, but it still wasn't a great main event, as we'll get to here. Uh, so the main event, we'll start with that. Suwama beat Kohei Sato in 2134 with a backdrop, a backdrop hold, actually, and that's his sixth defense. Uh, should mention the show did 674 fans. So yeah, I mean, the match, it definitely started really slow. Started the two of them trading holds and such like that. Um, just very slow and boring. Not much happening other than some uh, pretty lackluster legwork from Sato. And, you know, Sato was working over Suwama. Uh, Suwama was selling. But just, again, very, very slow stuff. And then Sato eventually gives Suwama a nice little knee drop off the apron. And things did pick up after that. Uh, somehow we already got to the 15-minute mark. But they did this big German suplex trade that was a really cool sequence. And... You know, I don't know. It just felt like they packed very little into that 15 minutes. But, like, everything after that was quite good. Uh, it only went 21-34, though. So I'm actually now kind of rethinking my rating. But, yes, uh, I finally broke down into what I wanted from the start. The two of them trading huge suplexes, big strikes. Uh, you know, it felt like Sato kind of held back on his elbows, which uh, I didn't like compared to some of the other elbows I've seen him do over the years. But I don't know. Maybe he just didn't want to kill Suwama because he's old. But uh, Suwama came back with a big lariat, big pair of backdrops. Sato kicked out too. And then Suwama finally hit a bridging backdrop with a pin. I mean, I by the end of it, I liked it, but it was still very disappointing. Uh, you know, I went three and a half stars on it. And again, that thinking about it, that's probably even a little generous. But, uh, you know, just I, I really liked Koei Sato, so I was really looking forward to this. But, you know, just very, very boring in the first 15 minutes. And, you know, the, the last six minutes were awesome, but just not enough to make up for... Uh, pretty boring first 15. Yeah, I hated this. I thought this was a dud. But most Suwama matches these days are that. I think he is just done. He's just completely done. And I don't know how there are people that have seen him like six months ago. Like, again, this is like another one of those like people need to like reevaluate Restless after a while. And I don't know how you can watch like Suvama from like six months ago and watch him now and don't think that he has just regressed to a scary degree, actually. Like, I think his body is just destroyed and he just can't go anymore on like really any level. 
like one of the things that always like and maybe that's because i used to love savam a lot like he used to be one of my favorite wrestlers ever really and i loved his tag team with violent giants uh, with uh, shikawa as violent giants and even that kind of spotted out towards the end and but none of his offense looks believable anymore and i think that really hurts him because he all like he never used to be the most dynamic guy obviously but his offense looked believable and now like his forearms they just look so weak and none of it really like has the like intensity anymore that it had before and it's all just it looks feather light and just bad and like again like with Koi Sato kind of the same as well like it's another guy that I love and I don't think he was holding back on his forearms I, I just think he can't do it anymore like I think he is just broken down and he looks bad too like he was never a body guy but he doesn't look good like he l- looks like he's like not well like he looks like he can't work out at all like he just looks like even more flabby than he did previously like he legitimately looks like he hasn't seen the inside of a gym in like the last three months and like this was just like i looked at this match and it was just horrendous to me and i'm just this is what people wanted like that might be the other thing that really bothers me about it because there were so many people that were kind of sick of the Cantomir horroring towards the end and it did get a bit stale, but like, so you wanted that rain to end and this is what you got instead. And there's people that think this rain was good and it's just not like, it's been terrible since the, it's been absolutely terrible since the first Ashino match. Like I give them that like the whole, like the match with Kento was good where he won the belt. And like the build up and everything and the match with Ashino uh, on the no fans, like that was all really good, but it's been just horrendous since then. Like the match with Zeus was just such a bore fest and it made even worse by the fact that like Zeus had like legitimately the best match in the promotion in 2020, just a couple of weeks prior to it. It just puts it into such a stark contrast on like how quickly Savama fell just completely off the wagon because there isn't even that much time between the Ashino match and the Zeus match and just the regression in that short time period is kind of baffling and this title reign needs to end very quickly. Hopefully it won't end on the next defense because the next challenger is Yoshitatsu. Uh, but I very hope he needs to lose to whoever wins the champion carnival. Um, and he just really needs to just not, maybe not go away, but he really needs to just completely disappear from anything serious. Like he just needs to be working. Like he essentially needs to like go into like the same role that Takao Mori is right now because he just can't. Yeah. So I'm not nearly as negative on Suwama as you, obviously, but, uh, this was not his finest moment, nor was it Sato's. So. Uh, and maybe Sato can't do it anymore. I haven't really seen a ton of him, you know, recently. But he's a guy I always loved, so that'll be sad. He he did he did like he him and Ishikawa actually had a pretty good match with the astronauts uh, in Big Japan late last year. But that was also very much based on like astronauts like very heavily like carrying the match as well. There you go. Uh, afterwards, <laughs> fucking Yoshitatsu. <laughs> Came out to challenge to offer the triple crown. Uh, I swear to God, 
Yoshitatsu, when Yoshitatsu walked out of here, I was just like, uh-huh, <laughs> Yoshitatsu, <laughs> it's an extra crowd challenge. Now, they clearly, yeah. yeah but even they, they aren't taking it seriously. Like, they're putting it on, like, a it's C-show. It's the main event of Kyoto. <laughs> that, which makes it's me wonder why the Kyoto doing KBS it. hall shows we're talking about, which that building holds, like, under 800 people without a pandemic. So I assume it holds, like, 400 people right now, maybe, at tops. So, uh, yeah, that's not exactly a big main event, but I guess they want to get Suama another title defense, I don't know, for the Champion Carnival. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I, yeah, I find, but he doesn't need, uh, whatever. I mean, like, it's not even worth, like, putting in any yeah, effort it's into gonna like, happen. complaining about this. Like, yeah. it's, it's just going to happen, and yeah. that's it. Like, uh, the semi-main event, the tag team titles, Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi make their first defense. They beat Daisuke Sekimoto and Abdullah Kobayashi. Kento pins Abdullah with the shutdown German in 1717. Um, this was a really, really tough match for me to rate. So I thought this was a mixture of some good stuff and some absolutely horrible stuff. Like Abdullah and Kento started things off. They do a kind of amusing sequence, although uh, some of Abdullah's chain wrestling, quote unquote, looks very bad, but like charmingly bad. So that's fine. Um, but I know some people are in denial about Sekimoto slowing down, but it's really obvious in some spots. I mean, he's like just literally physically slower moving around and running the ropes and stuff. Um, Kenta and Yuma were like working over Abby for a while. He came back with a slam on Kento, tagged in Sekimoto. Yuma was working so much harder this matching the other three guys, which is not surprising. Abdullah and Sekimoto are old and Kento didn't seem to give a shit, which... I, why would you if you're Kento Miyahara in this match? Uh, <laughs> Abdul at one point threw what was allegedly a running neckbreaker, according to the announcer on Kento, that looked more like a clothesline, but really more looked like Abby walking gingerly in Kento's general direction and then falling down in his general vicinity. <laughs> really horrible. Uh, Kento did do a superplex on Abby. That was kind of <laughs> cool, I guess. And yeah, I don't know. And then Abby. He went for, like, he did two top rope elbows. One of them looked good or okay. The other one looked fucking terrible. Like, basically, he just landed on his feet <laughs> as Kendall rolled out of the way. Yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He landed on his feet, and then it looked like his <laughs> knees gave out, and he I just went two fell and a half down. at the end. I, I just, it, I can't go higher, because, like, the, the, there was stuff I liked. The, the stretch run was kind of cool and stuff, and Yuma looked, Yuma looked good, but... The stuff that was bad looked really bad. And Sekimoto, is, at this stage of his career, he could not cover for Abby. I mean, Abby, I, I, people are like, going to think I hate him or something. I like Abby for what he is, but, like, just he could not, you know, he's, he, he's what he is at this point. I mean, just, you know, I mean, he, he can barely move sometimes. And, like, he's charming, you know, like, charmingly bad. But, like, he, Sekimoto couldn't cover for Like, in, in a different era... This, the two of them challenging for these tag titles probably could have been awesome because Sekimoto would have been able to do all this normal stuff and would have been able to run the ropes like crazy and, you know, throw all his big lariats and everything. But, like, you know, this this 2021 Sekimoto cannot cover for Abdullah Kobayashi's shortcomings. So, you know, this match wasn't good. Yeah. I, I think it's also noticeable that, like, we talked about it at the singles match leading up to this tag match was not Kento versus Sakamoto or Yuma versus Sakamoto, but it was Kento Which versus... Which you're doing again, yeah, by the Abdullah. 
yeah, that that felt yeah, I don't know, whatever, but it's like it is very clear, like Abby always can kind of cover for his like shortcomings with his charisma, and Sekimoto very clearly cannot do that. And he yeah, he's like another guy that like he's washed and people need to kind of reevaluate it a little and not just like be like, Oh, this match is really good because Sekimoto's in it and he I used to love his matches five years ago. Because he's clearly yeah, not. He was a great that example we were anymore. talking about. So yeah, I mean, yeah. that was it just yeah. He just isn't that guy anymore. Like you said, I mean, just not. I mean, him, Shuji Shikawa, you know, some of these guys just they're not what they used to be. Yeah, no, but Abby, I mean, Abby can still go with really. I mean, I had him in like one of my top ten matches last year. Like had Abby in it. Like he can very clearly like still go in like a in like a deathmatch situation uh, outside of it. Yeah, it can be a bit rough, but again, like I think he has enough charisma that it still makes up for us like very clearly when he's like, just not that good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just saw an amazing uh, <laughs> Dave Meltzer tweet. What the fuck? In a different year, I talk about how creatively mm-hmm. bankrupt it is to book Abushi versus Desperado to main event Budokan Hall. Huh? What does that even? What? what does that even mean? What? What? <laughs> they always. What? Yeah. That's literally yeah, what I they always know. do for the anniversary show. Okay. Does he have an, another like tremendous take on Okan as well to like just round out that like great, <laughs> great round of takes? <laughs> I just don't. I don't get it. But. Uh, I just, it was like, I don't know. Whatever. So they do what yeah. they always do for the anniversary show, and it's bad because I guess maybe he doesn't think. And why is it creatively bankrupt? That's like a fresh feud. They literally yeah. haven't feuded for like eight years, seven years now. Okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, very, very bizarre. Uh, that that one is a uh, that one was something. Anyway, um, <laughs> really, 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 uh, yeah. I don't know. The mat the match is like getting tons of tons of positive feedback on English and Japanese Twitter. I haven't seen. Yeah, because it's like a really exciting match. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I've literally haven't heard anyone say anything bad about it. Everyone seems yeah. excited about it. I don't know. And it was very, very bizarre. Anyway, um, let's uh, yeah. let's keep going here. All Japan. So, six man tag team match. Uh, so, Jake Lee, Koji Iramoto, and Tajiri beat Shotaro Ashino, Koji Dori, and Kuma Arashi. Uh, Lee pins Ashino in nine eleven. Um, the match itself, you know, he so Jake hit a big running lead on Ashina for the pin. Uh, very strange finish, but a perfectly fine match. I would go like three stars. Um, the the post match is what's obviously the big deal here. So, uh, Omori, Hokoto Omori, who they continue like for all the other problems all Japan might have, uh, you know, with like you know with like their booking and stuff right now, they continue to do a really quietly awesome job. At bringing along Hokoto Omori, um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's 
once he joined Anfans, it became very clear that they had just turned Anfans yeah. into a vehicle to get and him like, over. He, they, him being the one to low blow Ashley now to start the turn, not an accident. But, um, yeah. But yeah, so like he low blows Ashley now, and then Jake Lee just stands there, you know, just kind of watching it. And then, of course, he also nails Ashido too and starts stomping away on him. And it's not clear if he just is taking the opportunity at first to just get more shots in on Ashino or if he's really part of this. But then Iwamoto tries to stop him. Jake looks at him for a second. Great little pause there. And then just fucking decks him with an elbow. That was great. All of them finally join him and stopping yeah. them both out. Jake tosses Ashino from the ring. Tajiri just stands there. Like, in shock, does not leave with Enfance. But then he makes a little prayer motion to Iwamoto. Like, I'm sorry. And then runs after them anyway, which that was pretty funny. And that apparently made him... He's officially <laughs> with them because he's teamed with them on the next tour. But I thought that was, like, a little funny moment at the, end of the, at the end of this turn. He just wants to stick with Jake Lee, I guess. But, yeah, great fucking turn. Jake Lee looked like a, big, a fucking star here. And, you know, I've been banging the they should push Jake Lee drum forever. And... You know, I don't mind this at all, obviously. If this is how they're finally going to put the title on him, they, they really should. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I get the idea that he didn't have enough charisma to be a top babyface. I don't, I sort of think, um, you know, it, I sort of think it's a, uh, you know, it, it was, those critiques were a little overblown. Um, but like at the same time, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like like I Jake Lee's like very stoic personality, his like you know his whole like vibe that might work as a heel. That might work really well as a heel. The big stoic heel. I mean that might work better as a heel than a babyface. So I'm definitely interested to see how this goes. Um, you know, I think he can be a top heel, so I'm I'm very interested to see how that goes. Uh but yeah, I'm Yeah. Yeah. I I mean I kinda swore to myself that I wasn't gonna get invested with Drake Lee anymore because I've just been burned too many times. But I am actually willing to give this one a try. I'm not giving it a lot of rope. So like if they screw up I'm probably out again. But they might actually be able to pull this one off properly because every single time Jake has kind of leaned heelish in a match, it's actually always like it it, yeah. it has always improved the match. I, I agree with you that he's probably a better heel than he is a face, which kind of makes it because he did he didn't really turn, but he did when he did come back from his injury, he did leave uh, next stream uh, with Kento, and he did when they did feud. Then he was leaning a bit more heelish, and it was really good. And that was when people thought that he actually could be a top guy, and then he just became kind of a dorky baby face. Mm-hmm. No one took him seriously. So this really seems like a thing that is necessary to freshen him up. I am still a little bit worried about Ashino, though. Like, he probably could be a really good baby face, but him teaming with Suwama, I'm just getting flashbacks yeah. to Hiroki Goto. Uh, but yes, this is a... Uh, I'm, I'm still, like, I'm still fucking five against from the creatively bankrupt tweet. What a stupid tweet. Like, what? Like, they... Like, they had to do a last-minute pivot because Romu broke his shoulder. They came up with something that plays into the anniversary show history and, like, calls back to a yeah. seven-year-old storyline. Like, like I don't even... Like, what is Dave Meltzer watching anymore at New Japan? I just don't get it. Like, this was a... Gr- this is a gr- also, this what is, is the great, alternative that is not the great creative pivot. bankrupt? This was a great idea. Like, 
Yeah. Like, what is Bushi versus, Bushi versus <laughs> Like, fans Bushi are going crazy on Twitter in, in Japanese Twitter and English Twitter, as far as I can tell. Like, I, I don't know. Like, this is one of Dave's all-time worst takes, I think. Yeah. But, uh, it's <laughs> just hard. That's, no, yeah. That one is just, I literally yeah, I have know. no idea what that's uh, But anyway, yeah. But the, the leak, Jake Lee leading up the new end funds, that's awesome. I'm really into it. And, uh, you know, and Shotaro needed, the, you know, he needed the turn too. I mean, he was going nowhere. And he did, he did. I'm just worried that they're going to, that he's going to shake hands with Suvama and join Evolution. I guess we'll see. Uh, between mm-hmm. matches four and five, you got the champion corner participants. So it was ten, only 10 participants again, which surprised me at first. But then they announced it's only a one-block tournament. So all 10 of these guys will face each other. That's awesome. Lots of cool matches here. Uh, so the participants mm-hmm. are Suwama, Zeus, Kento Miyahara, Shuji Ishikawa, Jake Lee, Yuma Aoyagi, Shutaro Ashino, and then three guys making their first champion carnival appearances, Koji Doi, Kohei Sato, and Shinjiro Otani. Now, I have no idea if Otani can still go or not. I haven't seen Zero One in a while. But uh, if he can, you know, this was uh, this was really, this is a really, really cool, you know, um, mm-hmm. really, really cool booking. Yeah, I, I'm actually really excited about Doi. Uh, I mean, obviously, he has a tremendous look and he's pretty good in tag matches. I think he's still kind of missing that, like, signature singles match. I'm really curious, like, because he obviously has, like, some tremendous opponents in this one, with this being a one-block tournament. So I'm actually really excited about him, like, facing off for the first time with some of these guys, and I'm actually kind of interested how it goes when he mixes it up with Zeus and Kento and Yuma. I think that could be really exciting to see if he can be, like, a top singles Uh, guy as well. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, he already had a match with Yuma. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good, but, so like, we, yeah, the, but like lo- otherwise. Like, we think, lose Yoshitatsu, yeah, a lot of exciting Jiro, stuff there. and Kuma, Arashi, and gain Dori, Sato, and Otani. I think that's an upgrade, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, it, it is, it is. Yeah, like even as broken down as Sato is, he's still better than Jiro. But the other two, for sure. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, let's see, the fourth match on the show, the rest of this card is kind of nothing. Uh, this was the Gayora TV title outpost match, the uh, you know the hype match. Jun Kazai and Tomoyo Tomoya Hirata mm-hmm. beating Shuji Ishikawa and Ryuki Honda. Uh, Kazai, I get what was it? Was it DQ? Oh yeah, okay. It went uh, nine yeah. twenty-seven. Yeah. Uh, you know, some kind of DQ finish. I don't know, but Kazai stabbed Ishikawa in the top of the head with the skewers. That was kind of cool. And I don't know who this Hirata guy is. He's mm-hmm. a big, burly-looking dude. I guess from he's from Freedoms, right? I assume. I don't, I don't really watch Freedoms. Uh, yeah, I'm but, uh, wasn't really sure who that one was either. He has the same name as the sidekick from Card Captor Sakura. So, how's that going for him? Uh, Tori, yeah. <laughs> I I'm actually really, really excited yeah. for the Ishikawa versus Kasai match. I mean, I'm a deathmatch guy, and like the way they built this, like seems like it's going to be like a full-on proper death match, which that could be absolutely tremendous. It could also be a complete train wreck. Don't know yet, but just the way this build, this match went as well, like I'm definitely excited for like how it's going to go because I think it kind of is like, I think the way they're doing the build right now is really nice where it's all about Kasai want, wanting to like wake up like the death match giant essentially. Like he wants to like reawaken... Ishikawa's deathmatch side, and Ishikawa just kind of snapped after uh, 
Kasai like put the skewers in his head and that's how he got disqualified by just like like just beating the shit out of Kasai afterwards. So I think this could be like a really, really, really cool match and probably like the best Gayora TV title match ever. Uh then we got let's see, the th- the third match was to decide the next all Asia tag champions, uh tag challengers I should say. Uh as a three way tag. Atsuki Ayagi and Rising Hayato won the match. Uh, Ayagi pinned Omori in 610. Uh, he was pinning with the team of Yusuke Kodama. And it also involved Hikaru Sato and Dan Tamura. Uh, this was pretty fun while it lasted. Uh, very short, but I went like three stars on it. You know, I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was pretty good. I mean, as I said, like, Ayagi is like a really good like next challenger uh, with Rising Hayato. So that should be a lot of fun as well. And uh, I also really like Ayo Yagi's theme. Him just coming oh, out yeah. to the My Hero Academia uh, opener. Uh, match <laughs> 2, Yoshitatsu, Osama Nishimura, and Balian Aki beating Taki, uh, Takao Omori, Black Mensa Rei, and Ryuji Hidekata. Uh, Yoshitatsu got the win over Mensa Rei in 6.07. Uh, I guess because he had to get his big win for his title shot. Uh, they played his old WWE theme song when he won for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why they did that. But this was... I say they do that every once in a while. They, I think they 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 do that relatively frequently when he wins matches. Uh, yeah, this is I not don't good. know why they do quarter, that. At least it was short. Right, there you go. And afterwards, I do hope Aki gets booked yeah. a bit more in all Japan going uh, forward. But yes, and afterwards, uh, Yoshitatsu got uh, or Yoshitatsu brought Seiko Tachibana and his very purple suit in the ring. But there you go. Um, the opener was not good at all. Zeus and Izanagi beat Francesco Akira and Alejandro. Uh, Izanagi pinned Alejandro in 614. I mean, nothing stood out to me until Alejandro and Izanagi had a particularly sloppy and awkward exchange, which led right to the finish. Uh, Izanagi just kind of rolled through into a front choke for the win. I went two stars. This wasn't good. Yeah, Alejandro was kind of unlucky that, like, Wrestle 1 fell apart when it did. Because I think it kind of has hurt his development because... He did come along a bit nicely. Like it's not that he was like this like tremendous talent before, but I think it's really hurt him that he's essentially just been like yeah. lost in space for like one year. So yeah, I don't know. It seems like he's just destined to just be like a guy that flows around like lower in these and maybe so like. There you go. This show really wasn't back. good at all. I would say, you know, I like the main event a little more than some people, but a lot of people seem to hate it. And you know, the only thing really worth your time on this show, I think, was the. Uh, the turn, which was really cool. The turn was really good, but the matches on the show were not very good. Yeah. So, uh, I think the undercard was mostly fine, but yeah, like the top of the card was just uh, the upcoming All Japan series. For a wrap up here, the Dream Power series is the final series uh, before the Champion Carnival. Uh, so we have March six at Shinkiba has a five versus five elimination match as the main event, which might be interesting to check out. Uh, that has. Uh, Suwama, Shotaro Ashino, Koji Iwamoto, Dan Tamura, and Hikaru Sato against the new heel stable, Jake Lee, Tajiri, Hokoto Amori, Koji Joy, and Yusuke Kodama. Could be interesting. Uh, so that's, like, you know, the rest of it is not really, you know, for, there's a singles match with uh, Francisco Akira and Rising Hayato. Mm-hmm. But, and I think Shuji Sakawa is facing Kuma Arashi. I think in the opener. I think that's what that, it's translated as Storm. I think that's Kuma Arashi. Uh, uh, yeah, then yeah. March 14th at Corrigan yeah. 
which was not have the Triple Crown title match because they moved it to the uh, KBS Hall show as we talked about. Uh, so Suwama and Sato are facing Yoshitatsu and Osama Nishimura in a hype match that doesn't sound very good. But what I assume will be the main event is a uh, world tag team title match. Uh, Kento Miyahara and Yuma Aoyagi against Zeus and Shigehiro Irie. That could be pretty good. You know, uh, that is they're making their second yeah. defense. Then we have a big tag match uh, based on the new, um, you know, the new heel, the turn, basically. So Jake Lee teams with Yusuke, Yusuke Kodama to face Shotaro Ashino and Koji Iwamoto. So that could be pretty fun, too. And then... Yeah, I could actually see Kodama being, like, built up as a junior yeah. title challenger. Then we based have on uh, Dan Tamura and Ryuji Hijikata against Izanagi and Utamaro. Uh, Atsuki Oyagi versus Francisco Akira versus Alejandro in a three-way match. And an eight-person tag match opener. Tajiri, Hokoto Omori, Koji Doi, and Kuma Arashi against Suji Ishikawa, Takao Omori, Blackman Sarei, and Ryuki Honda. Uh, so pretty cool little card there. We'll see how that card goes. Uh, March 18th mm-hmm. at Shinkiba, ha- the only match so far is the Giora TV title death match. June Kazai versus Suji Ishikawa. So there you go. That that show, by the way, is already sold out. So people definitely people definitely want to see that one. <laughs> I mean, not, not that they have... Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah. pandemic-era Shinkiba, which means it's really easy to sell out, but yeah, that And then finally, the tour wraps up on March 21st at Kyoto KBS Hall. Or actually, no, there's one more show in Saitama. I don't think that's anything special, though. Let me see what's on that. Uh, anyway, but yeah, March 21st in uh, Kyoto KBS Hall. Uh, that has Shima versus Izanagi for the junior title, Shima's first defense, and Suwama versus Yoshitatsu for the Triple Crown. Suwama's seventh defense. Uh, not much else of note on this card. A bunch of tags. But yeah, Francisco Akira versus Kodama and Yusuke Kodama in a singles match. Uh, but that's about it. But yeah, uh, definitely not one I'm, I got circled on my calendar or anything, I have to say. But yeah, the, 20, the 28th is the last show of Dream Power Series in Saitama, but that doesn't even have a card yet. So, uh, And then that's it for the Dream Power Series. And then the Champion Carnival kicks off on... Friday, April 9th. So that'll be coming up next month. But there you go. There's what's coming up in all Japan. Yeah. No, I, I really think like all Japan, like I think Champion Carnival should be really good. It yeah. can only be better than last year's. And I think once Suvama finally drops the title, I think the promotion is going to... I think all Japan is actually in a position to have a really good second okay. half of 2021. Because once the Triple Crown scene recovers, essentially... I think there's a like it's a really good roster at this yeah. stage that they have put together there. Anyway, so there's your all Japan, uh, all Japan talk, and there's some there's some cool stuff coming up, and I'm I'm really mostly interested in in hearing, um, you know, or like seeing what happens with, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, like basically seeing what happens with like Champion Carnival and Jake Lee and all that. So we'll see what happens with that, mm-hmm. but like you know. The Dream Power Series maybe not that exciting, but some cool stuff. Some cool stuff. No. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely yeah. watch the Kasai Ishikawa match and the uh, Purple Haze versus Next Dream yeah. Tag Title match. All right, anything really you want to plug here before we wrap it up? Uh, yeah. I mean, as always, you can find my writing on voicesofwrestling.com where I probably will kind of venture outside of the realm of... Uh, uh, briefly, where I'm actually going to review some 
uh, American Indies uh, uh, as my next review. So uh, be on the lookout for that. That should probably drop at some point tomorrow. And yeah, Alrighty. that's really so just folks, about it. Oh yeah, you should, you should follow the Fiend's Mind <laughs> the Twitter Fiend's account. Mind. All right, folks, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, of course, at Russell Omakase, Wrestling Wouldn't Fit. Uh, in the meantime, you know, don't forget to look out for the New Japan Cup Pick'em contest that will be going up on uh, the on the Omakase pa- Patreon, the Omakase Twitter. You know, it'll be around. So definitely make sure you get your picks in before Friday when the New Japan Cup starts. Uh, out. I don't think I can link it in the description because it's not up yet, but definitely, you know, check the Twitter, twitter.com slash Omakase, and it will be up on there as soon as we have a bracket. Uh, and don't forget, you win, you get a free month of the Patreon. Uh, and if you want to check out the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Omakase. Wednesday will be our next episode, our next full episode, exclusive for patrons, as we'll do a New Japan Cup pick'em. which will be a lot of fun. We'll go through all of our picks for the 2021 New Japan Cup. Uh, our next episode on the free fee will be next Monday, so a week from tomorrow on March 8th. Uh, we'll cover the New Japan Anniversary Show from March 4th. We'll cover the New Japan Cup Sunday Show from March 7th. And we'll cover AEW Revolution from March 7th. So that'll be our first time covering AEW in quite a while. But I've liked their TV lately, so I'm willing to give Revolution a shot. And um, so I'm going to cover that show on Omakase next week. My guest will be Chris Samsa from Sword of Pro Wrestling, who as I mentioned, is helping us with the New Japan Cup stuff, which we greatly appreciate. So yeah, that'll be our next free feed show. Uh, In the meantime, thank you as always for listening and for subscribing, and I will see you next time. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.